This is Jason Castingway with ACB Radio, and I am speaking with Zachary Bastian from Verizon. Hi, Zachary. How are you? Hello. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. Well, it's great to have you here. And before we head off, I want to thank Verizon for their generous diamond sponsorship for the 2018 ACB Conference and Convention. Well, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure to support ACB. Thank you. So what's happening at Verizon with regard to accessibility and onward? Well, it's been another great year so far. We're very excited to be back supporting the ACB convention. This year is a special year for us in particular because we're doing this sponsorship and partnership with our subsidiary Oath, who I know many within the accessibility community look to Oath as a wonderful brand, uh, formerly Yahoo, that has taken great care to make sure that their whole family of sites and apps and all of the content on their sites is fully accessible. So we're very excited to be working with them this year and that, you know, we've kept their fantastic team together, combining that with Verizon's great resources on accessibility. So as far as what's going on at Verizon with accessibility, you can uh, see a lot of the current things that are happening by going to our web portal verizon.com slash accessibility. Very easy to remember. On there, we've got resources that tell you everything, and we've actually got a special header that you can click on on the left side of the page. Uh, Everything a screen reader is accessible on this page as well, but a specific list of resources dealing with visual assistance. Some of the resources that I can cover, recapping briefly, we've got unlimited plans uh, that are a great option for many customers. They include unlimited data, talk, and text. We do have a service in both Mexico and Canada. There's a military discount. You can see a lot more information on there, Uh, some FAQs about how it can work with your smartphone device payment, what happens when you use more than 22 gigabytes of data, whether customers on the unlimited plan are still eligible to receive discounts. Then we've got information on Fios text-to-speech. So this is a function that I know that a lot of our blind customers are very interested in. It's a functionality for the Fios TV on-screen guide that can enhance our accessibility for customers with visual or other impairments because it provides an audible voice readout of on-screen text such as menu and guide data. This feature can be enabled or disabled via the on-screen guide. So on this page, you can also find information about how to enable it and whether your set-top box will be compatible with this service. Obviously, Fios also carries descriptive video services, and we have information on how to enable that via Fios. Of course, if you're deciding what to watch, you're probably going to want to see a channel light up. And we have those available in large print format for people who are visually impaired. And in fact, if you access information through this webpage as well, we can examine options that we have for sending you the same programming guide in Braille, if that's your preference. Wonderful. Yes. Also available via Fios is your bill in alternate billing formats, and that includes Braille, large print, audio CD, and CD-ROM. It may take us some time to incorporate that if that's your request, but it's definitely something we can accommodate without a problem. We've also got a dedicated customer service center for uh, customers with disabilities that use our wireline services. That's Fios and Traditional Phone. Um, It's available toll-free Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but you can reach that line at 800-974-6006 
or via TTY or video phone if you have a hearing impairment at 508-251-5301. And the email address for that center is VCCD, that's V as in Victor, C as in Charles, C as in Charles, D as in Derek, at verizon.com. That's great information. Now, will Verizon have a presence at this year's convention? Absolutely. I am going to be there uh, starting on Saturday, and I'll be there through the weekend. Uh, Just before 4th of July, I'll head back to Washington, D.C., but uh, the main panel that I'm going to be participating in is the Environmental Access and navigation panel. I'll be working with my friend and colleague, Paul Schrader, who formerly of AFB, I know that many people within the ACB community are gonna know him, but Paul has been working for this great product called IRA for about a year and a half now. And I'm sure this isn't gonna be news to many of your listeners, but maybe if some of them haven't heard about it, just to give a quick rundown, IRA is a personal concierge service for people with visual impairments that operates through a camera, glasses-mounted camera, using the service, and and Paul will do a much better job explaining uh, (laughs) this than me, but uh, just by pressing a button on your smartphone, uh, you're able to access remote support via IRA where someone on the remote end at a computer screen using the camera in the glasses will be able to see what's in front of you and give assistance with any numerous everyday tasks. If you check out some of the information that's already out there on IRA, they've run live demos where they've had someone take a ride to the airport and find their flight using IRA. They've been able to navigate through a train station. They've been able to do shopping. Paul's told me that at one point, an IRA agent helped a customer childproof his kitchen. So uh, there's a lot of great services available through IRA. Um, you know, that's definitely a panel I recommend for you to come and check out. What I'll be talking about a lot during that panel and something that Paul and I often work together on is the coming of 5G. So for those of your listeners that might not have heard of it, 5G is the fifth generation wireless standard that Verizon is looking to be the first provider in the country to deploy. The cities that we've announced so far are uh, Los Angeles and Sacramento, California. Those are going to be the first two 5G cities, and we hope to announce several more this year. But um, 5G is really going to be transformative in the kind of service that it provides. And one of the reasons that I'm most excited about is the way that it can provide accessible services. So the main service difference that you'll see with 5G is that it's going to be a lot faster and a lot more responsive. Mm-hmm. Often, if you're working on a 4G connection, which if for many things that you do on the internet is still going to be quite good, and that's still something that's going to be available. But with 5G, you're moving from a ballpark of about 12 megabytes per second to a full gigabit per second. So truly transformative in the amount of bandwidth. So this means much more high quality video for applications like IRA. It means potential for virtual reality and augmented reality. And the other piece of the puzzle there is the ability to accommodate many more devices via the Internet of Things. Tools like the Amazon Echo and the Google Home, being able to automate different home tasks via your voice 
is a very useful thing for people that want to live independently and are living with a visual impairment. So being able to accommodate a denser and denser network of connected devices is something that's very exciting. That means that without interruption, all the different devices within your home would be able to fully respond to your requests and accommodate everything else that's going on in your house, along with your kids probably using a lot of the internet. Mm -hmm. So the other piece of the puzzle is the latency. And latency comes down to the speed of the connection, the responsiveness of it, how quickly it responds when you send it a request. This is also going to take a great leap forward to the point where we think that 5G is the technology that will enable things like autonomous driving. Obviously, for automated cars, autonomous driving, the response needs to be instantaneous for it to be safe. So very exciting stuff happening with that, a technology in general that we think will be a big economic driver, but also just generally enable more independent living solutions and better technology for people with accessibility needs. So something we're very excited about. Uh, I believe that panel is going to be scheduled for 2.30 in the afternoon on June 30th. So I hope to see many of you there. I'd love to meet you and talk more about our technology. And as we continue to do a lot of testing on the technology, we're seeing very encouraging results. Part of our concern, because this technology is different than 4G, was how would the signal behave in urban conditions? How would, would it behave in trees? How would it behave in with buildings around, with class? You know, would the signal remain strong? The early results are very, very good. This is a signal that's going to perform well in urban environments and that we're going to be able to deliver excellent service with it. Wow, we have a lot to look forward to. Absolutely. Well, Zachary, I want to thank you very much for your time, and we look forward to seeing you at convention. Likewise, Jason. Looking forward to it. If you or someone you know is blind from retinitis pigmentosa, there may now be light at the end of the tunnel. Known as the Second Sight Argus II Retinal Prosthesis System, this is the only FDA-approved treatment for end-stage retinitis pigmentosa. Find out more by calling 888-826-2695. Call 888-826-2695 to learn more about an FDA-approved system that provides useful artificial vision for those blinded by retinitis pigmentosa. Once again, the number to call is 888-826-2695. Call now. Argus 2 is indicated for patients who are completely blind due to retinitis pigmentosa. Possible side effects that may require further treatment include wound reopening, low eye pressure, eye infection, and retinal detachment. For more information, including all potential risks associated with the device and procedure, call 888-826-2695. That's 888-826-2695. Or visit our website at Second site.com. This is Jason Castingway with ACB Radio, and I am here with Peter Tusick from HumanWare. Hi, Peter. Jason, it's great to be here. Hello. Ah, great to have you with us. We want to thank HumanWare for their Ruby sponsorship for the 2018 ACB Conference and Convention. We are absolutely thrilled to be around another year. We love coming every year to ACB, and St. Louis will be no exception. So we're very much looking forward to a fun-filled week, and I know it's going to be good. Yeah. All right. So tell me, what's happening at HumanWare? Oh, HumanWare is a happening place, Jason. So we are uh, always 
you know, we're, we're committed to providing assistive technology products. Obviously, we do Braille products and we do low vision products. So I'll kind of spend my time through the next couple of minutes bouncing from product to product. Sure. But our, our number one goal, I mean, in doing what we do is to lessen the gap between mainstream technology and assistive technology in terms of what blind people use. So we're trying to lessen that gap in terms of employment, um, in terms of productivity. We definitely have some new and exciting products. About a year ago, we announced the Victor Reader Trek, which the Victor Reader Stream has remained and, and still exists, but you know the Stream is our most popular product worldwide by far. We have over 100,000 users, which in a company like this, that is a very, very large amount of, of a user base. So we, are, we were very happy based on user feedback to bring the Victor Reader Stream forward to a new generation called the Victor Reader Trek. And with that, we took our existing stream product and we merged it with the Trekker Breeze product, which was a standalone GPS product. And we're very pleased to have that out as of November. It's been shipping. It's been received very well. The pre-orders were unbelievably high and were received very well. And so nice. we are, we've we released an update a couple of weeks ago. That update is going to include the ability for a user to search for particular points on a map. So let's say you want walking directions to Best Buy or driving directions to Carl's Jr. or your local library or whatever you may want to go. You're able to search for that place name using the the keypad, which sounds small, but it took a bit of work behind the scenes to kind of make that happen. That was one big piece of it. The other major part of the update was the ability for a user to select or deselect maps. And as anyone who may have used a Trekker Breeze in the past knows, you only were given four maps at a time. If you were going from New York to St. Louis, right, and they're coming, coming to the convention, and you might have needed four or five or six different maps, depending on the route you were going to take. Now the product ships with all of the, the entire continent. So you're getting U.S., Canada, all in one map. Everything is there. Now, what we've done is we've given you the ability to deselect regions. So if I know, hey, I'm living in Maine and whatever, I'm going to ACB in St. Louis, and I really don't foresee myself traveling to the West Coast anytime soon, you could deselect the entire Western half of the U.S. Obviously, you wouldn't want to deselect Missouri, but you could definitely do that or different provinces or states. So you can better manage your space, um, that 32 gigs of internal space can be managed uh, more easily. Right. And we've also had some bug fixes. There was something in there where you couldn't put in a route more than, you know, hundred miles and some oddities that we've, we've squashed. So that's been big. We're still looking at many ways to move the product forward. The product has Bluetooth, which has been very well received for not only listening to podcasts or listening to ACB radio on the device, you know, with a, with a Bose sound link or something or mm-hmm. with a pair of Bluetooth headphones, but also when you're outside walking around, you could use a product like the Aftershocks wearable Bluetooth, yeah. you know, headphones and the Aftershocks being great in that they don't close your ears. You're using bone conduction. So the product is evolving. There will definitely be more updates this year as we move forward. One other very quick note is that the Galileo satellites will be coming to this country next year. And that will bring our accuracy on GPS from about 15 to 20 feet down to one foot of accuracy. So we're very, very much looking forward to that. I'm a totally blind person and I would love to be able to landmark a park bench and just find it every single time with my cane right on the money. Oh yeah. So that's been big. 
and again, the stream is not going anywhere. We will absolutely have show specials for anyone coming to the shows on all of our products. So stay tuned for that. They will be, they will be announced. The other piece is on our Braille side of things. I am happy to say that we are shipping the Brilliant 14. There was a, definitely some issues with its delivery um, when it comes down to it. The last thing we wanted to do was to release a product that was not ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. We released the product. It started shipping and we realized there was a problem with the battery, you know, in terms of it draining. And we needed to really, really fix that and make sure that our products were going to perform to a high standard. So unfortunately, we had to, we had to take some of them back and we, we resolved the issue. And I can say that they are all out the door again. This product is great because it's the first, if you will, smart Braille display. It gives a user the ability to create notes on the device and then synchronize those notes with the notes app on your phone. So for instance, if you're in a meeting, we all know sometimes the trials and tribulations of Apple's Braille translation and kind of how that can change from update to update. And I'm an iPhone user and I use Braille all the time. But what's nice about this is I can take a note without being connected with the confidence that later on that note will just synchronize perfectly translated into my notes app. So I used it every now and then, believe it or not, there still are places that don't have Uber or Lyft, right? And so I'm at the front desk of a hotel saying, you know, I need to get the number for a taxi company. And the gentleman there was saying, sure, I can give you two numbers. And I wanted to take that down as a note, but I didn't want to get my phone out and make sure it was paired and go into the notes app and hit compose and all of that. So what it allowed me to do was quickly take the, you know, taxi, American taxi, take the number and just boom, put my Braille display away. I go upstairs and I know that I pull my phone out and that number's in my notes app. So it's a, it's very neat. And we're based on our feedback. We will, we would love to expand this technology both to our bigger Braille displays or possibly open up other ways. What else could we do to bypass some of that translation? You know, it might be nice to create a calendar appointment or something on my Brilliant and hit sync. So it's a whole new kind of way of looking at a refreshable Braille display. One other quick note on it, it's using low energy Bluetooth, just like the Apple Watch. So we find it to be very reliable in terms of both the synchronization, but also just in remaining connected. And you can connect it up to five Bluetooth devices as well as a USB device. Okay. So that's the Brilliant 14. Um, encourage anyone to, to come by and check it out. The other piece, the Braille Note Touch is the first and only Google certified Braille tablet. We have released an update that came out in March and that has full QWERTY support as well as one-handed support. A lot of our user base, we, we really want to expand. And so we brought in that full QWERTY piece of the puzzle, which, you know, obviously going to bring in anyone who had used a QWERTY model. You can use any QWERTY keyboard of your choice, whether it's USB or Bluetooth. But the big piece is, is we also introduced one-handed mode support. So we, we have many users who have used one-handed mode since the Braille Note's inception, so since the year 2000, and we did not want to leave them behind. So that's out there as well. We are going to release a small update right in the smack dab middle of convention, I believe sometime in the, that first week of July, an update that will bring in a couple of features, small things, but things that have been requested, the ability to add a page break into a keyword document, the ability to more easily share files up into the cloud directly from Keyword, which is our Braille first word processor. And then also the ability to get suggestions when you're in the to field of an email. So again, small but useful pieces. I mean, those that update will be free, just like all of the updates have been and will continue to be. So keep, right. keep uh, stay tuned for more updates as we move forward. I'll mention just a couple quick things on the low vision side. We have our Explore 8, which came out this year. It's a handheld magnifier with an eight inch screen. And that has 
two cameras, so you can use that for distance viewing as well, which is big on the handhelds. Again, if you're at the you know grocery store, you need to see something on the wall, whatever it may be. You do have those two cameras, so and, you know image correction and very very good image quality, and then also the Connect 12, which is a portable video magnifier that we have, which has been released uh, for a couple of years, but it's much like the Braille Note Touch. It blends an AT, you know, low vision device with the power of a mainstream tablet. So we've brought in split screen viewing on that device. You can view something at a distance or right underneath your camera. And we've also brought in the ability for a user to mark up something they've scanned. So if I'm in a classroom and I take a picture of a document, I can then write on that document, fill in my information and lots of things. So we're always looking to kind of make that easier as well. And the Connect 12 has, has been received very well by students and people, you know, folks in transition, uh, as well as in the classroom. So we're, we're really looking, we, we're always bringing more in there, uh, much like we are with the touch. I mean, it's all based on user feedback. We, we hear what everyone has to say. And that's one of the things I love about coming to somewhere like ACB. And when I go to the convention, we are having user groups on our Braille products, I believe on Sunday and the Victor Reader products on Monday as a way for everyone to come together and obviously hear what's new and I'll demonstrate some new features, but also have a chance to talk to us. What would you like to see? You're the voice of our innovation. So we like to be able to hear that. And also sometimes what's been tricky so we can help address those issues. Well, we as customers appreciate that. Peter, why don't you give us the contact info for Humanware, please? Sure. Our website is www.humanware.com. We can be reached in the U.S., Canada. Toll-free number is 1-800-722-3393. You can also always email info at humanware.com. I would encourage everyone, follow us on social media. Come check us out. We've released a new BrailleNote Touch online training wizard, which is fantastic. It's all written, step-by-step instructions, which everybody loves. And we're so happy to see all of you and to be a part of ACB 2018. All right, Peter. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll see you at convention. Sounds like a plan. Good morning, everybody. Wednesday, July 4th, 2018. I'm Larry Turnbull, and I'm live at the Union Station Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri, it is day four of the, actually, day, day five, actually. Because, yeah, we started on Saturday. They keep throwing the schedule uh, off each year. <laughs> um, but day five of the coverage. And um, we've got uh, quite an agenda today. Kieran Idol is doing the pre-entertainment this morning. I'll bring her up here in a couple of minutes. We've got uh, a lot to cover today. David Trott will be the presiding officer later this morning after Kim covers uh, the sponsors and the ACB business part of things. And Kim will be getting things underway at 8.30 this morning. That's 8.30 Central Time, 9.30 Eastern, 7.30 Mountain, 6.30 Pacific. So I'll go ahead and bring up the house, and we'll finish listening to Kieran Idol as she plays the piano. And then Kim will get things underway. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. I tried. (laughs) Somebody said I was the best at it.
The American Council of the Blind Conference and Convention will begin in 10 minutes. Please find your way to your seats. 10 minutes. Thank you. Especially, 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 especially,
The American Council of the Blind Conference and Convention will begin in five minutes. Please find your way to your seats. Five minutes. Thank you. The American Council of the Blind Conference and Convention is about to begin. Please take your seats. Thank you.
to the ACB Gateway to Success Conference and Convention. Please welcome back ACB President Kim Charlson. Good morning, everyone. Happy 4th of July. From your Yankee president, Kim Charlson. I did not say Yankees fan. Make that known, please. Red Sox all the way. <laughs> so, thank you. And I want to say thank you to our entertainment this morning, Karen Itell from Vernon, Texas. <laughs> Is Reverend Dave Artis here? Yes? Okay. Reverend Artis? Ah, oh, okay. All right, I want to recognize for our invocation Dr. Dave Artis, Abiding Savior Lutheran Church, St. Louis, Missouri. Good morning. A little closer. Closer. Thank you, and welcome to St. Louis. St. Louis is home. I'm so glad that you are here and you can share in our beautiful city. The Apostle Paul wrote about half of the New Testament, and as many of you know, he struggled with a disability as well. But he did not let that disability define himself, nor should we. Nor can we, nor need we, let our disability define us. Paul used that disability to look to God to find strength, even when he was weak. He also learned, though, to trust in people. And that's something I, I really appreciate about the American Council for the Blind. I am totally blind. I've been blind since age 11. I know how cantankerous we can be. I know how we can be nitpicky. But it is wonderful to see you all here, especially working together for a common cause in helping others. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your many blessings, especially for this new day. Thank you that we can celebrate freedom in this country. And we ask that you be with the convention today, especially so that more people might be set free from disabilities and helped in so many different ways. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Where you from? Right here? Thank yes. You. Wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Will you please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance on this very special day? And I believe to lead us in the pledge... We have our veterans, our blinded veterans, Richard Quelling and Dave Dowland. Hello. Good morning. I'm Richard. There you guys are to share. Good morning, ACB. There you go. Happy Fourth of July. Yes. Please join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. Not you. Okay. I pledge allegiance to the flag. Of the United States States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. As a special um, 
A special today, I've had a request from my colleagues in Hawaii to sing happy birthday to Norman Oda, but we're also going to sing happy birthday to our nation and anyone else who has a July 4th birthday. So let's do an ACB full-flown harmonies and everything. Happy birthday. And somebody out there start, because you don't want me to. <laughs> to Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God Happy birthday to you. Thank you. And good morning, ACB Radio. It's time for our morning dose of margarine. <laughs> Are we ready? <laughs> Thank you, margarine. <laughs> She's better than caffeine. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Oh, good. I think you're still awake. That's great. I'm going to read all our sponsorships again today and the individual sponsors, bronze sponsors. I've got to get this just right. They've got a bright light in my eye. Double Diamond Sponsor, Ara Educational Recreational Events, General Motors, Transportation Services, and Continuing Education Units, Google, ACB, Radio Worldwide Broadcast, Microsoft, ACB Conference Banquet, Vanda Pharmaceutical, Audio Visual Services, and Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Give them a hand. Diamond Sponsors, Verizon, Oath, Convention Communication Center, and Marketplace. Give them a hand. Emerald Sponsors, Cisco Systems, Volunteer Services. Comcast, your day at the conference Tuesday, July the 3rd. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, Exhibit Hall. Sprint Information Desk, Uber Conference registration. Give them a hand. Ruby sponsors Adobe ACB Scholarship Mentoring Program. AT&T ACB Cafe. Amazon Audio Description Project Conference and Training Institute. Charter. Interpreter Services for Deaf-Blind Attendees. Facebook, ACB Auction and Performing Arts Showcase. HIMSS, ACB Workshops and Seminar Programming and Future ACB Leader or Young Professional. Humanware, official sponsor of all general sessions. Regal Cinema. Kids Explorers Club, and ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. VFO, official conference program.
program. Give them a hand. Our next sponsors, Buell Fund, ACB, Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk and Recreation Zone, Cox Communications, Audio Described Movie and Sponsor a Student, Future ACB Leader or Young Professional, MD Support, Talking Signs, Mackler Degeneration Foundation, ACB, Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, National Association of Broadcasters, General Operating Expense, National Industries for the Blind, ACB, Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Give them a hand. Topaz sponsor, ACB Lions Scholarship Winner Travel. Give them a hand. Coral sponsors, Randolph Shepherd Vendors of America, Reception for Outstanding Blind Students, Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired San Francisco, General Session July 2. Give them a hand. Pearl sponsors Amtrak ACB Cafe Day, July 2. Library Users of America, NLS Talking Book Narrator. Lighthouse for the Blind of Seattle, Orientation Dinner for Outstanding Blind Students. Maxi Aids, ACB Cafe Day, July 1. Give them a hand. Individual sponsors, bronze, $25, Carolyn Abbott, Andrew Baracco, Mary Lou Baracco, Natalie Barrett, Kevin Berkeley, Philip Blithen, Betty Bogus, Rich Bogus, Ann Brash, Peter Brash, Marie Brinus, Lisa Brooks, Ron Brooks, Donna Browning, Ann Byington, Michael Byington, Marissa Cameron, Lawrence Carter, Kathy Casey, Burl Colley, Denise Colley, Sarah Conrad, Joan Cox, Susan Crawford, Denise Decker, Andrea DeClos, Marsha Farrell, Stephen Ford, Carol Francisco, Katie Frederick, Nanetta Garner, Christina Hickerson, Charles Holly, Edie Huffman, John Huffman, Kathleen Kent, Donald Coors, Jerry Coors, Cindy Laban, Joseph Lopez, Larry Loray, Lourdes Marcus, Deborah Marino, DJ McIntyre, Rick Moran, Morin, Doug Powell, Angela Rideau, Bonnie Robertson, Stephen Robinson, Barbara Robbins, Debbie Roser, Richard Rideau, Lori Scharf, Rachel Schrader, Deanna Scoggins, Fran Sign, Blind Science, David Smith, Naomi Stoll, Shirley Stivers, Sheila Stivern, Ellen Teckler, Jeff Tom, Leslie Tom, David Trevino, Deborah Trevino, David Trott, Rhonda Trott, 
Robert Turner, Patricia Testing, Myrna Vota, Pat Vota, Donna Wellish, John Wellish, Kathy Wheeler, Luann Williams, Michael Wiseman. Give them a hand. Thanks to all who are sponsors and individual sponsors. And I'll turn the program over to President Kim. Is um, Earl Hutchinson? Okay, you can make your way up. I'm going to flip-flop our Ruby sponsors. I'm going to give Earl a little time to get up here. Um, so it's my pleasure to introduce to you um, representative from IRA and AT&T as well, Paul Schrader, who's Vice President of Public Policy and Strategy from Silver Spring, Maryland. And welcome, Paul. Yeah, that's all right, Kim. We'll raise the mic. Raise the roof, baby. Um, I am so happy to be here on July 4th, this great day for celebrating community in America. When I arrived at my first ACB convention in 1983, probably the first person I met, I'm almost sure of it, was Marjorie. But I learned from her and at that convention the importance of community and how relevant that is for those of us who are blind or visually impaired and how much that means at the American Council of the Blind. When I joined the national staff a few years later, I got a chance to witness that again from the support of the members and how much when we asked members for help and assistance, they stepped forward and did that just like members of a community would. I'm thrilled to be part of an organization and I've actually thrilled to have spent my career trying to give back as best I could to independence for people who are blind or visually impaired. And I'm thrilled to be part of an organization in IRA that is so engaged in building communities and supporting communities of people who are blind or visually impaired. Those of you who are IRA explorers, thank you. Those of you who are IRA explorers know that at the heart of IRA, it's the relationship that you form with your agent every time you contact us. The explorers and the agents are the heart of our service. You know when you connect that you're going to connect with somebody who's going to be friendly, confident, helpful, and most of all, is going to respond to the assistance needs that you have and do so in a way that helps you move forward successfully and the way you want to do more. Our tech wizards at IRA are committed to supporting the community by building technology that is easy to use and does its job effectively and then gets out of the way. Our marketing staff is opening opportunities so that IRA can be supportive for you in more places like the St. Louis airport on your way home. And our customer care team is supporting the community, ensuring that IRA works, and when those few little snafus come up, there's somebody there to help you through the process. Like any community, we're involved in education. The other day, we were thrilled to be a part of the scholarship activity, providing IRA to all of the ACB scholarship winners. Yeah. 
It meant a lot to me personally to be a part of that moment and to share that with the students, all of whom are incredibly bright and motivated. But all of you who are students can play a role in ensuring that IRA is available for yourself and for your peers by encouraging your campuses to add IRA as an access element. That way, whether you're a scholarship winner or not, you'll have access to IRA to support your education. We've also been working on employment. Saturday night, Suman talked about our employment activities, providing free minutes for those of you who are explorers if you're involved in an activity to seek or prepare for employment. Building your resume, checking the visual format, looking at job postings, perhaps filling in an online job site that isn't very accessible. First, let's get the application in and get the job. Secondly, let's go back to that site and make sure they make it accessible for the next person. I was there for both pieces of that element. In October, as Suman mentioned, and I'll just remind you, we'll be offering free minutes to ACB members who are not yet IRA explorers to test out and give a try to find employment using IRA, using the guest program. So all those who are seeking employment, who are part of the American Council of the Blind, can take advantage of this opportunity in October, National Disability Employment Awareness Month, to find a job. But I will also say, thank you very much, for those of you who perhaps are not going to be able to take advantage of it or that timing doesn't work, you can push vocational rehabilitation agencies or your employers to include IRA as a service that is relevant to you in seeking employment. And I encourage you, whether or not you use the free minutes of IRA for employment-oriented tasks, to work with your vocational rehabilitation agency if you are seeking a job, or with your employer if you're already employed, to consider IRA as an accommodation. Independence, of course, is key for today, and there's lots of ways that people exhibit that independence. One of the things that I know our explorers greatly cherish is the opportunity to shop independently. We've had so many stories of people finding something seemingly as simple as a birthday card and choosing the one they wanted because they were able to work with an IRA agent to work through the cards and look for just the right one, like any sighted person would do. Well, as Suman mentioned Saturday, we're offering five days where you'll get to test IRA, again, if you're not already an explorer, to have free minutes. But if you are an explorer, you'll also have the free minutes to test IRA as a shopping accommodation. But of course, outside of those five days, you can ask your grocery store, your big box retail store, or your transportation facility to add IRA as an access element. That way it's always available to you, not just on those five days. I know that the American Council of the Blind is committed to assisting older adults who lose vision to age gracefully and independently. IRA respects that, and we share that commitment. And so we are also planning to work with ACB local chapters who want to reach out to older blind individuals who are losing sight in order to offer your support and guidance. But also, we will allow you to offer IRA at a discount. So you'll have something in hand along with your message of independence and competence as a blind person You'll also be able to offer them a discount to IRA if they seem interested. That's great for the older blind 
individuals, it's great for ACB, and we hope it's great for IRA as well. Partnerships mean a lot to us. The partnership with the American Council of the Blind and pretty much every other major organization in the blindness field has been absolutely extraordinary. Suman has sent out has set out on his journey to make those partnerships come true, and it has largely happened. Kim mentioned this morning that AT&T is part of this sponsor uh, communication as well. And AT&T has been our partner nearly from the beginning, from our first steps as a company. AT&T has been key in so many of our successes, but the one I want to point to is helping us get the back-to-school scholarship started. And I want to thank AT&T for being there and remaining there as a key partner in IRA's success. <laughs> Lastly, please stop by our booth. Yes, we're still here. We'll, we're still ready to talk with you. We're still ready to offer you a free month of service if you sign up for our starter plan here at the American Council of the Blind. You can either come to booth 44 or 45 in the exhibit hall. We're right there on the end, easy to find. Or we've actually got a couple of guys stationed right outside the hall if you happen to walk by this morning. Uh, we'll catch you on your way. Come by, see our plans, and also see our new, even easier to use hardware, IRA Horizon. And as we keep saying, good things are on the horizon. Do more, people. Thank you. Thank you. Um, our next Ruby sponsor presentation is from Hymns Inc. And we're going to hear from Earl Hutchinson, who's the Midwest um, Regional Sales Manager, and he's from Columbia Heights, Minnesota. Earl? Hi. Hi. Keep coming. <laughs> Good morning, ACB members and friends. How are you this morning? Is everybody having a great time at the convention? Good food, maybe? Anybody's made it to Maggie's? Is that what it's called? Oh, my gosh. I could eat there every day. So I, I, am, actually, I am actually here uh, with my, my rookie guide dog, Agassiz, and he um, has been on his way out to the relief areas and back and through the exhibit halls and greeting all of you with your, your stellar veteran guide dogs and you, you, you folks with handlers, you handlers that um, have the dogs that just blow past my dog and to you all I have to say is, mm, sorry. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, who in the room likes Braille? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I was hoping you'd say that because I love Braille. I was I was seated in a restaurant next to a gentleman the other day, bless him, who said to me, he says, you know what, I think blind people are becoming too dependent on Braille. Uh, I just about lost my mind. <laughs> but here we are, you know, in, in this the organization, ACB, um, and it welcomes everybody with different opinions. Everybody are at di every, different levels of participation. 
And everyone's entitled to their opinion, and that's what this day is all about, isn't it? Uh, the 4th of July, are the freedoms that we enjoy here as Americans. And uh, I am just so, I feel so blessed, honored, and privileged to be here and addressing the General Assembly of the American Council of the Blind. Thank you so much. Um, at the hymns booth, we have actually, <laughs> my dog's bored, he's laying down behind me. Um, we have actually started to really double down on Braille this year. We've become very much, um, we, we've expanded our offerings in Braille. Uh, I personally had a, a kind of a sad thing happen last year. My wife and I decided it was the absolute right thing to do. We, we wound down our company, Triumph Technology. Anybody here for Triumph Technology before? Uh, and it was the right decision at the time. We were absolutely sure that it was the right decision. And in the, during that process, we actually passed the HandyTech baton over to Hims, who are now the North American distributor for HandyTech products. Um, and at the end of that process, I'd say on December 27th, um, when, when the, the, I guess the ink was drying on that agreement, I was actually extended a job position as the Midwest regional manager for Hims, and I, I, I talked to my wife about it and said I must be out of my mind. But yeah, I think I'm going to take the job, and I'm so glad I did because it's been uh, a ride. You know, there I found myself sitting in Austin, Texas, at corporate headquarters on January 2nd, and thinking, could I have maybe at least taken a week off between jobs? Um, but since then. We have um, really done a lot uh, in the Braille market, on the Braille side of things, beginning with a new product that we're introducing here uh, as, at, at booth 37 called Taptillo version 2, I believe. And this is a, a product for early Braille readers, whether we're talking early child developments or people who have just recently lost their blind. It's really a fun and engaging way of uh, reading Braille. And this is a, a device that has these blocks with the, these, these pins that you push up and down and you form Braille letters. And the object is to, you know, there are several games. The object is to uh, maybe type what is written down before you, mimic that. Um, and then, of course, the, the challenge get harder from there. So there's Taptillo. Uh, we just introduced a brand new concept, um, a brand new product. And it's actually an old concept, but a new product. Um, imagine... Everybody here uses a, a computer, right? Most people use a computer, right? And most people know, yay, computers! Most people know what the computer keyboard looked like, right? And you ever touch your computer keyboard and say, wow, this thing has a lot of buttons on it? No, because you already know how to use it. A lot of us have been, know how to do touch typing and that, that type of thing. Well, what we've done in the QBraille XL is we've actually taken the QWERTY keyboard concept, taking away all the letters and the numbers and plunked an eight-dot Braille keyboard in the middle. So what you end up with is, is a keyboard that you can input in Braille, and of course you can get your output in Braille as well, but all the other keys on the keyboard are exactly where you as a computer user would expect them to be. So you want to get out of a program with your Braille display and press Alt-4, Alt-F4 rather. You want to 
want to go back and forth between different applications, press Alt-Tab, um, because all those keys are exactly where they should be on a computer keyboard. The only thing that's different is we've got a, uh, a Braille keyboard instead of a QWERTY keyboard. And that is actually, it's, it's the QBraille XL. XL stands, is the Roman numeral for 40. And it also has some internal functions just like our Braille Edge did with a notepad and a calculator and a calendar and a countdown timer and that, that sort of thing. So um, that is just being introduced uh, for the first time here at ACB. Come by 37, check it out. I think you will be um, impressed, and the, the price point on it is pretty, pretty decent too. The next thing I want to talk about is the, the release of a brand-new product called the Polaris Mini. At this time last year, we were just in introducing the BrailleSense, the next-generation BrailleSense Polaris, which is based on the Android platform. There have been several updates since then, and as those of you who are HIMSS customers know, the, the um, updates are always free, and they will, they will always be free. Um, but we now have a 20-cell version of the Polaris, which is called the Polaris Mini. And that is um, just, I mean, for those of you who remember the U2 Mini, imagine it's a little bit sleeker than that, but instead of 18 cells, it's got 20 cells. So that is uh, also at the HIMSS booth, and we've got some good special pricing on that as well. And as I mentioned earlier, with the Handytech distributors uh, here in the United States and Canada for um, a company out of Germany called HelpTech, actually, the only Braille displays in the world that have something called active tactile control. And what this means is the Braille display actually senses your fingers on the display and because we can do things like measure duration, directionality, pressure, um, we can gather quantitative data with respect to very specific reading behaviors and actually log that data over time. So in, in essence, what we end up is a, a way to uh, gather quantitative measurable data uh, with respect to reading behaviors. That's really exciting. But me, as a proficient Braille reader myself, I just love the idea that I can read a book from beginning to end without the need to ever press buttons because it senses when my finger comes to the end of the line and automatically advances. And if you're... I've got people who, with different reading styles. One guy, he says he reads with six fingers, and he says, this will never work with my reading style, and he did it, and all he could say, hey, wait a minute, this works. <laughs> this really works, and it's just so fun to, to see the double take that people have when they come by the booth and say, wow, did this really happen? <laughs> Is this thing doing what I think it's doing? And then they go off uh, into the, the convention and bring other people back to see it as well. So that's, that's the HandyTech uh, product, and come by and check those out. We'll be there until about 1 o'clock today and at the close of exhibits, and... Um, we would welcome you to come by, and in the meantime, I would like to really um, sh put a shout-out to the folks who have coordinated this entire convention, um, from everybody from the volunteers to Ms. Janet Dickelman to Mike Smitherman, Madam President, everybody out there in ACB Radio land, thank you so much. God bless, and have a wonderful holiday. Bye-bye. We will now um, turn.
turn to some business. We're first going to hear from John Huffman on Constitution and Bylaws. And then we'll do probably one resolution, maybe. So, so John Huffman. Yeah. Podium mic for John. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Thank you, Madam President. Good morning, ACB. They finally turned me on. I'm going to do two first readings of proposed Constitution and Bylaw Amendments. we will just read them today. There will be no discussion or debate. But when we, when we come back around to them tomorrow uh, for second readings, they will become debatable issues at that point. The first proposal that I'm going to read is brief, and it represents a conforming bylaw amendment uh, to the proposal that we read yesterday concerning... Uh, the status of junior members. All right, it's bylaw three dues, and the current language reads as follows Dues for annual members at large shall be $10 a year. Dues for junior members at large shall be $1 per year. If the proposed amendment is adopted, the, the bylaw section would now read. A, dues for annual members at large shall be one, or excuse me, $10 per year. Dues for junior members, whether joining at large or through an affiliated organization, shall be $1 per year. All right, moving on. The next one is a little bit more extensive. Uh, the purpose of this amendment, which has been labeled as um, Proposal 2018-03, is to amend relevant sections of Article 4, Officers, concerning number of members from a single state who may serve on the Board of Directors at the same time. Now, as I, as, I, as I go through this, I will try to give you a little bit of a roadmap as to what's happening here. Um, the current language reads as follows, Article 4, Officers, and this is a constitutional amendment, of course. A, the officers of this organ, organization shall consist of a president, a first vice president, a second vice president, a secretary, and a treasurer, and their terms of office shall be two years or until a successor has assumed the duties of the position. The officers shall be elected in each odd-numbered year at the annual conference and convention. And the, next, the last sentence of the, of the subsection comes out 
and that reads, no more than two officers shall be elected from any one state. The next, sec- the next subsection affected is subsection B, and currently reads as follows. In addition to the officers, this organization shall cons- this, uh, I'm sorry, this organization shall have 10 directors to be elected by the, conf- the, uh, the conference and convention uh, for terms of four years or until a successor has assumed the duties of the position. Five directors shall be elected in each even-numbered year. And then, again, the last sentence comes out, and that sentence reads, no more than one director shall be elected from any one state. All right, then there's now, if the the, uh, amendment is approved... Um, there would then also be a new subsection C and subsection 1 under that section would read no more than three persons from the aggregate of officers and directors shall be elected from any one state but in no case shall three officers or three directors be elected from a single... um, I'm sorry. (laughs) Shall more than three officers or three directors be elected from one state. Then the rest of the language, um, the existing subsections of uh, article or of, of section C... Um, will be renumbered, but um, their, their language will not change. So with the indulgence of the body, I propose not to read those sections. Uh, I will finish this portion of my report by saying that I've been advised that uh, all of these proposals uh, can be obtained uh, in... At, from the information desk, we have copy, a, few, a, no, a few copies in Braille, um, sm- relatively small number in uh, print, and they're also available electronically for, down, for download. Uh, I thank you for your time, and uh, we'll look forward to being back with you again tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you, John. All right, Mr. Reichert. We will have a resolution. And a broken microphone. (laughs) The microphones are actually working really well this morning. It's just me that's broken. How you doing out there, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, come on now. Let's hear it. Who's thankful for being an American today? That's what I'm talking about. Nothing like jingoism in the morning. All right. (laughs) All right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. So here, uh, in honor of the fact that we are celebrating our 4th of July, we got a couple of resolutions having to do with voting, ladies and gentlemen. 
who believes in voting in this country? You think it makes a difference? All right. Enough said, as they say. Don't want you people throwing things at me. Whereas in the United States of America, nearly one in four voters votes by mail. And whereas all voters with and without disabilities have the legal right to vote by mail. And whereas many voters with disabilities lack adequate transportation, skills, or the ability to leave their homes and travel to polling places to vote on accessible voting machines. And whereas voters that cannot see, hold, or mark a ballot due to a disability are the only voters in the United States that must go to an uh, actual polling place if they want to vote privately and independently. And whereas federal and state law requires equal access to the ballot and voting experience, uh, including the right to a private and independent verifiable mail ballot. And whereas numerous states and localities around the United States have already developed an accessible alternative to paper absentee and, quote, vote by mail, quote, ballots, uh, and at least two states have already officially certified accessible absentee and vote by mail technologies. And whereas accessible absentee and vote by mail technologies could be acquired and provided uh, to every state without delay and with a minimum outlay of funds. And whereas all states recently received a substantial new allocation from Federal Help America Vote Act, or HAVA, funds, from which a small portion could be utilized for the purpose of, uh, for the purchase of such a statewide accessible vote by mail or AVBM technology in every state. Now, therefore, be it resolved by, the, uh, by this organization that this organization commit to the following. Number one, the members of state affiliate, excuse me, the members of state affiliates of the American Council of the Blind request their state uh, to immediately take all necessary steps to ensure equal access to absentee and vote by mail ballot balloting in every state. Number two, the American Council of the Blind strongly encourages election officials in every state to comply with all state and federal laws which require equal access to ballots and voting uh, uh, by and, and voting <laughs> by directing all counties to. Uh, de deploy an AVBM solution within six months of an ABM system uh, within, within an ABM system, come on, or systems, okay, fine, uh, being approved by the state. And three, in conjunction with the spirit and purpose of this resolution, the division of elections or its equivalent in every state is further encouraged to assist local jurisdictions to acquire a single centralized uniform AVBM system that state officials uh, would help to deploy. Uh, with that, we recommend a do pass. 
motion's been made and seconded to adopt this resolution. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Resolution is adopted. Unanimously. <laughs> Let's do the other voting resolution, Let's if you would like, since it's the 4th of resolution. July and we're in the mood. <laughs> we are. <laughs> 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 All right, then. That's, that's, that's a caffeinated uh, member out there, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, you can do it. All right. That, by the way, was Resolution 2018-02, it being the second one you all acted on. See how, how just how consistent it is. It's just beautiful. This will be number three, shockingly enough. Alert the media. This one's about voter verification uh, systems. Whereas the Help America Vote Act and... Uh, Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990, as well as other federal and state law, guarantee the right of all Americans with disabilities to vote privately and independently. And whereas these laws taken together require the entire voting experience to be accessible to persons with disabilities, including those who are blind or who have low vision. And whereas the American Council of the Blind, ACB, has been at the forefront of advocacy, ensuring that this right is implemented for every person in America with a vision uh, impairment. Uh, And whereas areas in which voting rights advocacy... uh, Oh, come on. Areas in which it was the, I'll fix that. By the American, right, areas in which the, the voting advocacy by the American Council of the Blind ha, uh, has occurred include accessible voting machines, accessible voting registration platforms, online balloting platforms, and access to sample ballots. And whereas, Voter verification, the process by which a voter is deemed eligible or ineligible to vote, remains largely inaccessible to persons who are blind or who have low vision. And whereas now that jurisdictions are considering switching from hard copy voting rolls to electronic poll poll books as the preferred method or maintaining the information for voter verification. And whereas the technology exists to make this information through an interactive platform available to persons with vision loss, and whereas at least one company has already designed a poll book kiosk that allows voters who are blind or who have low vision to access not only information about the election in general, but also address, uh, but also address and, oh, but also address and related information on file with election officials, which will ultimately allow voters to communicate their, with their jurisdiction to alter any incorrect information that may uh, impact their right to cast a ballot. 
now. Therefore, be it resolved that this organization take all steps necessary, beginning with advocacy with the Federal Election Assistance Commission uh, and the National Association of Secretaries of State for the uh, for for the recognition that electronic polling books or voter verification systems should be accessible to persons who are blind or who have low vision, and for the adoption of a requirement that every jurisdiction must implement an accessible voter verification system, and we patriotically recommend a due pass. Motion's been made and seconded. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, the motion is adopted. Thank you, Mark. We will hear more from Mark tomorrow morning, bright and early, and from John Huffman as well. Thank you, John. Yes. All right, I want to... um, introduce our ACB Angel presentation for this morning. Um, I would ask Rachel Ames to come forward. We will be honoring Susie Weatherford, 1946 to 2016 from Arkansas. Rachel Ames. Good morning, everybody. I have the honor Hey, thanks. I have the honor of presenting this award or nomination for Susie Weatherford, who was my soul sister, not my blood sister, uh, as Arkansas's latest ACB angel. Around 30 years ago, Susie's son, Jay Retstat, went blind, and Susie began her search for ways to help him to adapt to his new life. He is here today with Joyce and their daughter, Lorianne, as well as two of her biological sisters, Faye and May. You can meet them in the Arkansas delegation. Jay now runs a cafeteria in Jefferson City, Missouri, and just last month, the Missouri Business Enterprise Program recognized Jay as their Manager of the Year for 2018. Not to be outdone, the Lions Business Opportunity for Missouri Blind presented him with the Donald L. Roby Annual Award. That's not too blind for a you know, that's not too bad for a guy that was using a tree limb for mobility because he didn't know where to find a white cane. Now, Susie didn't just stop with helping Jay. She made it her life's work to help others find ways to deal with blindness and to become independent and contributing members of their communities. She didn't want others to feel the helplessness that she and Jay faced before she discovered ACB and the other resources that are available. She worked as a member, officer, and volunteer in the Council of the Blind on the local, state, and national levels. Susie had that ability to walk into a situation, see a need, and find a solution before it could become a problem. No job was too big, 
or small for Susie to tackle. But the high point of her year was the opportunity to serve as a sighted guide and volunteer at the American Council of the Blind Annual Convention. She worked with Leroy Johnson and Marjorie Beeman as a sighted guide on convention tours. She worked various fundraisers, ran errands, helped people find meeting rooms, the all-important bathroom, and any other destination that they were searching for. She searched the exhibit hall while she was here to find any new information that she might use to help blind people and to adjust to adjust and to help their family to understand what they might be facing and discover ways to help. Susie got home to Arkansas. She shared that information with others. As part of her life work of educating the public about services or products that could help them through workshops, fundraisers, conventions, and one-on-one interactions, every volunteer organization, in every one there are members who go above and beyond the call of duty to serve with a tireless dedication and often at personal expense. These volunteers are worth their weight in gold. But Susie was one who shone like a diamond. Susie Weatherford was one of those priceless gems, a rare and unique ACB jewel whose sparkle will never dim in the memories of those of us whose life she touched. She has simply moved on now to join with Leroy Johnson and also Emma Jean Johnson, fellow Arkansas A-team volunteers on the other side to help prepare a way for us and to give us our assigned chores once we get there. (laughs) Thank you so much for this recognition. Thank you, Rachel. That was great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you to um, Susie's family for being here, that we could share this with them today on the 4th of July. Thank you. It's my pleasure to introduce to you our presiding officer for the day, our treasurer, Mr. David Trott from Talladega, Alabama. David. I can assure you that we're running late, but that we will get a break. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. That was a hard act to follow for myself because Susie was very special to Rhonda and I. We've known her for many years and loved her and truly miss her. As we move forward this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about money today, which is the thing that's dear to my heart because when we began this decade, ACB looked mighty grim. We survived mostly off of bequest. And thanks to the hard work of two strategic plans, a great staff, a great board and officers, and your hard work, you're going to hear a great report today. So it'll be a little shorter for you. Uh, You won't have to go through so long, and it'll be much better to understand, and we can move forward. 
But before we begin that, something that I know is near and dear to your heart is a special friend of mine coming up this morning, the chair of the convention committee from the suburb of Minneapolis, (laughs) St. Paul, (laughs) is my dear friend Janet Dickelman. Good morning, everybody. Happy 4th of July. All right. I want to start by saying, yes, I know that this hotel is a large venue. I know people have said, oh, boy, I'm doing a lot of walking or I'm a little lost. But, you know, we are a large group of individuals and we require a lot of meeting space. Every year we have more and more sessions. In fact, I asked the hotel a couple of weeks before the convention, could you put some more meeting rooms in for me, please? Because I'm running out. Um, this has been a, as I said, it's a large venue, but we are, have kept our rates at $89 here at this convention, and we had space for everybody to be, and in spite of some of the issues getting around, I think it's been an absolutely wonderful venue. I want to thank, this hotel staff has been absolutely amazing. And I think I trained every one of them. But they were so willing to work with us and have just been wonderful. And a special shout out to my convention services man, Dan Belmont, who's been absolutely everywhere. He's wonderful. I want to thank the members of the MCB Local Host Committee, MCB President Denny Huff, Executive Director Chris Gray, Naomi Sewell, Mike and Sherry Keller, Peggy Bard-Smith. Huh, and I think I'm missing somebody. Uh, The chair of the host committee, who made the mistake one day of telling me that her maiden name was Payne. Jasweta Payne Tabor, who (laughs) has become my dear friend because she calls me all the time. No, she has been so great about keeping me posted on every detail that the host committee has done and has been a joy to work with. Thank you, my friend, Jasweta. This morning, Susan Glass made the comment at Women's Concerns Breakfast that we do not do things by ourselves, and that is very true. I could not do this convention without the support of so many of you. I want to do first a shout-out to the people who did our telephone registrations. How many of you registered by telephone? Yeah. Well, you either talked to Catalina Martinez, to Kim Carmichael, to Paula Weiss, or some of you talked to me. And thank you all, for the three of you, for doing such a great job with your registrations and dealing with all my little messages. Are you caught up? Are you caught up? Can you take more? What are you doing this weekend? Do you want more? Um, the Minneapolis office, ably chaired, were run by Nancy Becker with Lane, Lori, and Nancy Christine. What happens during registration is they just kind of pass the phone around when I call, or when they call me, it's like, okay, who else needs to talk to Janet? Because I'm, they are 
there with me every step of the way, and you don't understand. Nobody knows what a huge job this convention registration is unless you're involved in it. And these guys just do an outstanding job, as well as registering on-site. And ably helped this year by Paula, uh, Maureen, and uh, Virginia from the MCB office all helped out with registration. Didn't it go great this year? Now, this part always makes me cry because I talk about my convention committee. And we truly are a family, and everyone has their roles. They make my job so easy because they know what they need to do, and they do it, and they keep me informed, and we just are such a well-oiled group of people. Marjorie Beeman. There's really nothing I can say about Marjorie. She's everywhere and does everything. That, that's all I can say. She's wonderful. Sally Benjamin. Boy, did she get good volunteers. Yeah. Our LDS and JW volunteers, they've been everywhere. I know that, unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of volunteer assistance in the evenings. We really tried, but unfortunately, they weren't able to volunteer at night. But we did the best we could, and I think we really had some wonderful volunteers. Um, Another convention committee member who's all over the place is uh, baby Rachel. Oh, and her mom, DJ. (laughs) DJ's been extremely helpful, and she's done... been all over, helping with auction and communications and information desk and here and there and everywhere. Another person that you've all seen running is Mr. Rick Moran. Mr. AV Guy. I don't sleep much during the convention, but he sleeps a lot less than I do. He is up getting those rooms ready late into the night and early in the morning to make sure that you all have your microphone needs. And yes, occasionally something doesn't, isn't exactly what you expected or wanted, and there are problems, but Rick has done an absolutely outstanding job. Thank you, Rick. Once again, our information desk, ably chaired by Vicki Prahan. I know I shouldn't call her misinformation, but she is misinformation. <laughs> she knows it all. Our exhibit coordinator, Mr. Michael Smitherman. We had a great exhibit hall this year. Yes, it was, it was open. Yes, it was large and a little echoey, but boy, did he do a great job keeping everything together. And Rhonda Trott, our tour coordinator. We had some, have we had some awesome tours or what? Rhonda's worked really, really hard with the tour venues and she's done a wonderful job on t- keeping on top of things. And I have to give one other little shout out to a young lady who is everywhere throughout the convention. She started out just kind of hanging around, helping me a little bit, and then other people started grabbing her to do various things. 
but my soon-to-be college freshman, Camille Becker. Thank you, Camille, for everything. All right. Now, on to 2019. Everybody ready for Rochester, New York? I've told the New York host committee to at least wait until July 8th to contact me. (laughs) Just give me a little break. Um, Convention dates are Friday, July 5th to Friday, July 12th next year. And we will be at the Hyatt Regency in Rochester and also the River Center, formerly the Radisson. These two hotels are smaller hotels. They are right... (laughs) Hey! They are joined by the convention center. You can go through the convention center to get to either hotel, or you can walk across the street. Um, The Radisson... There's going to be activities at both hotels. If I was a guide... As a guide dog user, I might suggest making reservations at the Radisson or Riverfront, since they just changed their name, because they have a nice big... We'll have dog relief areas at both hotels, of course, but they have a nice big grassy area right outside the hotel. Or they did when I did my site visit anyway. Who knows? (laughs) Things change, just like the food court here (laughs) Um, that I promised you all, and then they closed. So anyway, that is 2019, and uh, the board and the convention committee will be there in early October to do our prep, and that also happens to be the weekend of the New York Council of the Blind State Convention. So it's going to be a busy place. 2020, I'd like to announce, although I think the word's kind of gotten out a little bit, but that we will be in Schaumburg, Illinois. And I will say the same thing to the Illinois host committee. Don't talk to me until after July 12th of 2019. (laughs) Schaumburg is just outside of the city of Chicago. It is very close to O'Hare, so it's going to be an easy travel into into Chicago area. It is about 25 minutes trip into downtown Chicago via... Um, light rail. It is rural enough, not rural, but it is has free parking. I didn't hear any cheers for that, so that'll be because I know I know I had a few parking questions. Yes, so it's going to be. We're going to have the best of the both both worlds. We're going to be right close to the city, but we're not paying in city Chicago prices. So. I think everyone's going to have a great time in Schaumburg. I realized as I was preparing this report that I did not have the actual convention contract for 2020, so I don't have the dates, so I will send those out to everyone. when I, Is it the third? I know I've announced it before, but okay, third to the tenth. Thank you, Ray. Uh, the Schaumburg Renaissance. Yes. It is. It's a very nice place. And again, not not a huge venue, but it should hold us all comfortably and give us the meeting space we need. What? Um, That is 91. Yep, 2020. I'm sorry? 89. I'm sorry, I thought I said that. Okay, I had it written down, I just didn't see it. How many people 
I'm sorry? How many are here? I have, we're still registering people. I do not have a count. I know we had close to 900 at pre-registration. So we got a lot of people here. I will entertain, if I may, um, Mr. Officer in charge, a couple, of, a couple additional questions, and then I'm just going to make a couple of quick announcements. If you're at a mic, yes, get to a mic. I can't hear you if you yell. I'll make my announcements while, a couple, uh, while anybody's getting to a mic if they need to. How about that? All right. This afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m., CCLVI is having an open house in room 5236. All are welcome. Um, I was also asked by CCLVI due to something beyond circumstances beyond their control, their program this afternoon, Traveling Through the Ages, may start five or ten minutes late. So just be aware of that. Uh, Apple today is in Regency C. And if you don't know already, Mark Twain Tour tomorrow is leaving at 5.30 a.m. Friday. Oh, I'm sorry, Kim. I'm not trying to wish the rest of the convention away. <laughs> Did you? All right. Uh, is anyone at the mic with a question? Otherwise, I will. Okay. Thank you very, very much for having me. As, as always, I love doing this, and I hope that you've enjoyed this convention as well as I've enjoyed planning it. Thank you. You're going to get us to break it. David, you might say after your treasures are worth. All right. Our next guest speaker. Oh, that's me. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry if you can't understand me. I lost my interpreter when Riker found out it was him. He decided to leave. So you'll just have to bear with Alabama talk this morning. Actually, uh, I, you will hear a paper going in front of the mic. I have uh, neuropathy in my fingers and can no longer read Braille, so I've had to kind of reverse it and go to large print, and it is somewhat of a difficult situation. But uh, we've got an excellent, as I told you earlier this year, our numbers, our finances are excellent, and I'm excited to share some of that with you this morning. Our total income for 2017 was $3,465,587. Just a little bit of that. I'll do some breakdown of figures because, like I said, we're not going to bore you to death with them. ACBES contributed $203,880. Legacies and bequests. $1,733,935. Now, I need to tell you a little bit about that because of uh, our financial situation. We claimed that money in 2017 because that's what the auditor said we needed to do. We technically won't get that until sometime this year. But that is, uh, some of that we already have, but mostly is in part of two bequests. 
So when you're thinking about ACB, think about us in, when you want to make your bequest. And on down, I'll explain to you a little bit of how we're not living on that bequest anymore. Okay. The convention, an excellent amount due to the hard work of Janet, largely Eric, Marjorie, a lot of these people bringing in these sponsors you've been hearing from. Last year, the convention uh, presented to the uh, finances of ACB $364,482. Our expenses were in line last year. Our total expenses was $1,441,371. Now, I'm not going to break that down in money, but I'd like to give you a percentage of how that money was spent. Scholarships, 7.7%. Convention, 15.6%. Audio description, 9.2%. ACB radio, 3%. Telephone hotline, 2.5%. Advocacy and Government Affairs, 10%. Program Consultation, 5.7%. Membership Services, 9.6%. Public Awareness, 15%. Liaison with External Organizations, 5.7%. Management in General, 8.1%. Fundraising, 7.9%. Our net income for 2017 was $2,000. Two million twenty-four thousand two hundred and thirteen dollars. Now, this this was a truly excellent year. As you can see, our expenses were far far less than our income, but also that we used none of the bequest money in paying for these expenses. Now, as we move forward, you've already heard this week, we're protecting the future of ACB. We want to see us live forever, so we have set up. A legacy bequest, a legacy endowment, and a major portion of all unspecified bequests in the future will go into that fund, and then the remainder will go into what we call the board designated reserves, which is the day to day operation monies for the American Council of the Blind. But really, when, when you're out and about, grab Eric's hand and shake it. He's done a lot of work on corporate expense, uh, corporate relations. This brings money into ACB, and this is largely the reason that we're not living off bequests today, and also the hard work of our staff and our board, because we worked hard to see to it that we no longer have to count on bequests to survive. And, And finally... You know, Dave Trevino and Brenda Dillon years ago wrote a song, It is truly a great day to be in ACB. Next up, a guy who doesn't need to be introduced, really. He's been a colleague of mine for many, many years. He's, he's been a great chair of the ACB Enterprises um, Committee and management team from Missouri City, Texas, to talk to you a little bit about ACBES. I'll give you Michael Garrett.
Good morning, ACB. First of all, I want to uh, thank uh, the board of directors of ACBES. I have the pleasure of serving with some great individuals, namely Dan Spoon of Florida, David Trott of Alabama, Carla Rushable from Kentucky, George Holliday from Pennsylvania, Jeff Tom from California, and Michael Godino from the great state of New York. Now, for those of you who may not know what ACB Enterprises and Services uh, is, um, someone asked me that the other day. What, what does it do? Well, as of now, it consists of two thrift stores. ACBES is a wholly owned subsidiary of ACB, thus we have our separate board. So our thrift stores are in Amarillo and Lubbock, Texas. We sell gently used items and, when possible, new merchandise. I've shared with the board uh, at the board meeting last week that I am good with where we are today at ACBS, and you probably haven't heard me say that in a while. But what I mean by that is I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with where we are now I'm not satisfied, never satisfied, because there's always room for improvement. But what makes me glad, one of the reasons that makes me glad is, is, is our staff, our Minnesota staff, who wears many hats, but they continue to come to the, the aid and, and, and see to the needs on a day-to-day basis of our thrift stores. Nancy, Lori, and, the re- and Lane, and the rest of the staff in, Min- in, in Minneapolis. Give them a hand. <clears throat> David shared with you some of the uh, statistics and the contribution that ACBES contributed to ACB on last year. Going forward, we plan to reach our budgeted goal for this year, meaning that we plan to, and we're on the way to, making a sizable contribution to the finances of ACB in 2018. It, is, it remains our goal to continue to play an important part and make a substantial contribution to the financial picture of ACB. Our, the staff and our board are working diligently to, to assure that that happens. Uh, I'll just share this, this little 
tidbit with you. Um, you know, our, our Lubbock store, uh, as, as, as John McCann is, is famous for saying, rock star. Our Lubbock store is our rock star. <laughs> and and, and uh, sometimes Lori and I take bets on where the sales at that store will hit for the month. That's just what a rock star we got right going working right now. So in closing, I will repeat that we continue to strive to make ACBES an important part of the overall finances of ACB. Thank you, Michael. And we now are back on schedule. Isn't that great? Because I'm looking for break. <laughs> oh, me. You know, I, I was trying to think how to introduce our next guest. And actually, I think the program does it just about as well as anybody could. Furry Friends and Flying Skies. An update on the state of air travel for guide dogs handlers. Okay, now, in Alabama... If you pronounce this name, it'd be Clary. But I understand she calls herself Claire Stanley. She is our ACB advocacy and outreach specialist from Alexandria, Virginia. Y'all join me in welcoming Claire Stanley. They clearly have to uh, lower the microphone for me because I'm quite short. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to be here today as the new advocacy and outreach specialist. I feel very honored to be here speaking. So thank you so much, everybody. Um, because I'm talking about service animals, I had asked my guide dog, Kodiak, to do the speaking, but he declined. So I guess you get me instead. So. So today we're going to be talking uh, briefly about what's going on with the Air Carriers Access Act. Um, I'm sure many of you are already aware of this, but there's been a lot of movement as far as uh, our right to bring our guide dogs onto airplanes with us. Um, we've seen movement just at the, from the beginning of 2018 uh, from several airlines like Delta, United, Alaska, all following each other to create new policies that require persons with guide dogs and all of their service dogs and emotional support animals to provide some kind of documentation that your animal is in fact a guide dog or a service animal, emotional support animal, that they don't have rabies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there's a lot of uh, talk going on. Fortunately, uh, there's been a lot of uh, movement specifically by ACB to interact with these different airlines, and we stand in a fairly good place right now as far as us with persons having guide dogs to make sure that our rights are protected. But it's not done yet. There's a lot of movement. We're still having conversations, and so that's why um, I'm here today to talk briefly about what's going on. Um, so to back up for a second... Many of us have heard about the abuse of people using different types of service animals as well as emotional support animals and taking them on planes. 
Under the ADA, the only animals that are service animals are dogs, and emotional support animals aren't allowed in public places. But when you go on airplanes, you're not dealing with the ADA anymore. You're dealing with the Air Carriers Access Act. And under the ACAA, uh, service animals don't just have to be dogs and the fun caveat we all know about those ponies. But under the Air Carriers Access Act, animals can be all kinds of animals. I'm sure many of you heard about that fun newspaper article about the peacock that was brought on this past year. Yeah, fun times. Maybe I should try to get a guide peacock and see how that goes. <laughs> but um. <laughs> So, uh, under the ACAA, you are allowed to bring on other types of service animals, and emotional support animals are allowed on the planes as well. But because of this, there's been uh, a very large abuse of the situation. A statistic I saw said there's an 84% increase in the abuse of using uh, ESAs, emotional support animals, as well as service animals. So that's why many of these airlines started um, putting out these different policies saying that you have to prove that your animal is indeed an ESA or a service animal, prove that they're well-behaved, prove that they have rabies vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. And this is really starting to impact people who use guide dogs like we do, or many of us do. Um, for instance, they were saying things like 48 hours before you get on the plane, you have to prove that your dog has a rabies vaccine, etc. Um, well, I know this is a concern of mine, because what if I want to go on a plane, uh, you know, a quick turnaround of a flight, um, I'm going to have to go and scramble to get everything done. Um, so um, people in our office, like Eric and Tony, have been doing a great job to talk to airlines like Delta and American, and have been able to prove and demonstrate that guide dogs at least are a little bit different and many of these airlines have gone and amended their current policies to say that guide dogs do not have to um, fulfill this really high standard so um, thanks to people like Eric and Tony we are in a good place but the convert yes definitely But unfortunately, the conversation is not over. There's still going a lot, a lot going on. So, um, you know, we don't want to rest yet. We still have a lot to do. Um, so for, for instance, next week, I'll be going to a meeting with Alaska Airlines to talk to some of their people to uh, keep talking about what's going on and making sure that we really have concrete um, solutions going on. So please, uh, please stay tuned to listen to that. Um, but what can you guys do? We have stuff going on within Congress to help um, really solidify some of these policies so we're not just, um, you know, listening with our, you know, holding our breath about what the policies might change to. So there's currently an advance notice of proposed rulemaking going on in Congress, and you can send in your comments on the Federal Registry up to July 9th, so we still have five more days, and we currently... Uh, encourage every single one of you to send in your comments for this advance notice. You guys can talk about how you feel about issues concerning service animals and emotional support animals on airlines. Um, ACB, Tony and I have drafted some notes that encourage you guys to go and do so. It explains the process, what's going on, gives you some instructions. So please, if you haven't seen that yet, let us know. We'll get it out to you. And please, you have until July 9th uh, for you guys to get your comments out there. So please, please do so. 
If you have any questions, give us a call. You can talk to me or Tony. We're also working with a, a consortium of other disability rights organizations, organizations like United Spinal and Paralyzed Veterans. So we're working with them to submit our own comments for the advanced rulemaking, as well as to work with other organizations. However, we always like to emphasize that um, although we're working with disability rights organizations, because that's so important to collaborate, our first commitment will always be to guide dogs. So we're always keeping that in mind. So that's really important important for us. If you have any questions, again, please let us know. Um, we definitely want to encourage people to participate. Let us know. Um, also, talk to GDUI. I know they're really involved. Um, talk to people like Penny Reader and Charlie Crawford. They're doing a lot of work in this area. Yeah, it's great. Um, so please interact with GDUI, interact with us. It's really important that we continue to work on this issue because, again, although airlines like American, Delta, Alaska have very awesomely um, responded um, in a positive light to our comments that are going on, um, it's still not solidified. Congress has really stepped in to um, help kind of talk about this, this issue and find solutions. Nothing is set in stone yet. Now that Congress is involved, we don't know where things are going to go. So please use your voice like we talked about. It's the 4th of July. Use your voice, put in some comments, um, and continue to um, be involved in this issue. Um, so thank you so much, and I'm really glad to be here today. Thank you so much, Claire. All right. Uh, we got an interesting thing going to happen here. We got a very special announcement. You know, we talked about voting. We passed a couple of voting resolutions this morning, right? Tomorrow is a very important day in ACB. It's part of our, our democratic actions. We like to vote, correct? On the top left corner of your badge is a red dot. If you, if you that can't see it, get your buddy to look. If you don't have it, go get it today because I promise you, if you don't have that dot on in the morning, you will not vote. So we want to exercise our right to vote. We need our voter ID. <laughs> now, um, I'd like to thank all the speakers this morning for getting us, getting us back on time because I want to be your popular person and give you a break. But before I give you a break, I'm calling on the door prize people for two door prizes, please. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. ACB of Minnesota has donated a door prize of $25, and our name is? Jerry Cooper of Oklahoma. Gary Cooper of Oklahoma? Jerry. Jerry, I'm sorry. Not here. One more name. Oh. Jim Mary of Missouri. <laughs> Jim Mary of Missouri? Right here. Okay. All right. Our next door prize is from DCCB, <coughs> excuse me, and it's a gift card for $25 to Regal, and we have Edie Turner of Mississippi. Edie, Edie. Edie Turner of Mississippi? That's Edie. No? Another name. Rick Turiano? Okay, yeah. 
Thank you. Okay, folks, I have 10.05, so what we're going to do at this point is take an early break, and I'm going to ask you to be back at 10.20. We will begin the program again promptly at 10.20. Thank you. Enjoy your break. Okay, we are going to go ahead and run a sponsor interview during the break. We're going to run the hymns interview, so let's have a listen as Jason does the interview. This is Jason Castingway with ACB Radio, and I am here with Damian Pickering at Hymns Incorporated. Hi, Damian. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Before we get to it, I want, on behalf of ACB, to thank HIMS for their generous Ruby sponsorship for the 2018 ACB Conference and Convention. Well, we're happy to do it, and we also want to thank all ACB members and attendees for your loyal support of HIMS and our products over the years. So we're, we're really pleased to be here and be part of this. Oh, great. Well, I anticipate some interesting things coming from HIMSS. Why don't you tell me about it? Well, we're really excited. Here at the ACB conference, we are introducing, for the first time, a very exciting new product called the QBrail XL. So finally, something new in a Braille display. You know, this has become a really crowded market. And you kind of maybe like the feel of one versus another. Some have onboard apps, some don't. But, you know, there's, it's been a long time since there's been true innovation. Now, what is QBrail XL? Well, it's all in the name. QBrail XL is a unique hybrid Braille display that offers Braille input and full control. So basically you have your standard Perkins style Braille keyboard just like you would expect, but instead of a need to remember and use complex key sequences to execute Windows commands and JAWS commands and the like, we give you all the standard QWERTY keys, control, function, Windows, Alt, all your function keys across the top, the escape key, your six pack, your arrow keys, all of that stuff so that you're able to fully control your PC or Mac or smartphone from the QBrail XL, never needing to take your hands from it, never needing to stop and try to remember, you know, how do you do Alt F4? You just do Alt F4. So we're excited. It's it's a beautiful piece of hardware, and we invite everybody to come by our booth number 37 if you haven't uh, had an opportunity to check out QBrail XL. 
Wow, that sounds very nice because I, I know I often do that very thing. I forget what the command is and I reach over to my other keyboard and <laughs> type it in there. So, uh, well, and, and of course, everybody wants, you know, Bluetooth connectivity, which of course we have. We have six Bluetooth channels and, and a USB connection. In fact, you know, in addition to this unique hybrid keyboard approach, um, we're combining all the popular features of the Braille Edge and the Smart Beetle. I mean, that was one of the, I can't tell you how many customer requests. It's like, you guys should combine the Edge and the Smart Beetle, you know, and it's like, well, it's not a bad idea. So we've got, you know, basically the onboard functionality of a Braille Edge with a notepad, a daisy reader, a calendar, a calculator, stopwatch, all of those Oh, basic applications we also have the multi-channel connectivity so you can pair to all your devices and switch on the fly again you mentioned kind of you're you're one of those people and and i am as well you know i cheat i reach over to the qwerty keyboard but you know if i've rolled across the room in my office chair <laughs> um you know then you know i have to roll back across the room to access that qwerty keyboard so i mean literally this is going to be a game changer. I mean, if you save a couple of seconds with every command, that's going to add up a couple of minutes every day. I mean, it could be a couple of hours every product. And time is money in today's world. So, Absolutely. you know, if you're that much more efficient, that much more productive, you're going to be that much more effective on the job. And we're really excited to see how people take to the Cubrail. Wow, that sounds terrific. And did you say it was a 20 cell? I can't remember. It's a 40 cell. So again, going back to the name, the Q obviously is the QWERTY, Braille is Braille. XL is the Roman numeral for 40. So we are a 40 cell display. And XL, of course, has that luxury connotation as well. Sure. Um, at, at the, toward the end of the year, we're going to introduce a just Q-Braille version, um, not XL, and that will be uh, input, output, you know, with the Braille input, QWERTY control, uh, no onboard apps, no card slot, and that will be more for your call center applications, government agencies, places where the memory and onboard applications uh, is, is something that they don't want. So, you know, we're introducing the Cubraille XL first, and then we'll do the, you know, slightly stripped down version later on in the year. That sounds great. I look forward to checking this out. Hey, but wait, there's more because, of course, it, it's a busy year for us at HIMSS. Mm -hmm. And many of you may know, um, we, at the end of May, we started shipping our BrailleSense Polaris Mini, which is a 20-cell device. It's, it's kind of, I had to chuckle to myself, you know, over the last year, as people have looked at the BrailleSense Polaris, which is a 32-cell, very sleek uh, in its own right. But people would say, well, are you guys going to do an 18-cell version of the Polaris? It's like, well, I can guarantee we will do a Polaris Mini. And in fact, you know, all along we had planned to do a 20-cell version. So that is shipping. It's flying off the shelves. Um, we would love for people to come by and check this out. It has all the power, same processor, same application, same memory as the big one. 
So I like to jokingly say the Polaris Mini has all the flavor, half the calories of the uh, the big one because it's you know it's under a pound. It's 0.9 pounds, wow. 15 ounces. It is the most powerful pocket size note taker out there. I mean, in fact, my first device personally when I graduated college uh, was the Braille and Speak, and I loved that thing. It was portable. Oh yeah, you know, I could edit documents in a way I hadn't been able to do before. But my big sorrow was, you know, it didn't have any Braille, and uh, I dreamed, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could fit a little line of Braille across the, the bottom here? And in fact, you know, technology gave us a lot of stuff and, you know, Braille lights and note takers. But, you know, the technology at the time, the, the Braille cells were so bulky that it increased the size and weight of the devices. And finally, we've come full circle. And this Polaris Mini 20 cell is the closest thing to that Braille and speak with Braille added that has ever been. And it, it's just it's fabulous. You know, if you're going to compromise with less Braille, you should benefit from greater portability. And that's what the Braille Sense Polaris gives you. Wow. And you have the Android OS running. Yeah, we do. And uh, store and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, we are, you know, an upgradable device. So at some point, if, uh, you know, fewer things are compatible or there's new functionality that we need to pass on, we'll be able to upgrade that Android operating system. So we are, I like to say, the most future-proof note-taker currently on the market. Wow. I have a Braille Sense on hand, so that would be quite an upgrade for me. I would love that. Well, it would, you know, and uh, of course, you can always ask us about trade-ins, you know, because we'll, uh, you know, like, the, you know, something borrowed, something blue, out with the old, in with the new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing I think is pretty neat is that you are actually using your Polaris to conduct this Zoom meeting. I am. Uh, you sent me the link, and uh, I had downloaded Zoom on my Polaris, and I went in and pasted in the meeting ID and uh, connected right away. It was uh, it was really seamless, and hopefully, uh, it, I'm coming across loud and clear. It sounds yeah. Hope it sounds good. The audio's great. Yay, Polaris! <laughs> Indeed. Again, we're at booth thirty-seven, and uh, we'd love to talk with you know all you ACB uh, attendees in person uh, we've got some incredible summer show specials this is always the time of year that we you know do our best uh, discounts and you know for those people who come uh, to shop for technology and are buying out of their own pocket we, we do our best deals of the year in July at the summer shows just so people can refer to it your website is. Our website is www.hims-inc.com. That's H-I-M-S-I-N-C, like incorporated.com. So www.hims-inc.com. Our toll-free number is 888-520-4467. Okay, Damien, thank you so much for being here, and we look forward to seeing you at convention. All right. Well, thank you, Jason, and thanks to everyone at ACB. 
And they are in the today's the last day of the exhibit hall coverage, and they are in the exhibit hall. Exhibit hall closes at 1 p.m. Central Time today, and that'll be, you know, once they're closed today, that's it. You know, they're not going to reopen anymore this year. We'll have to wait again till next year uh, when we have our convention in Rochester, New York. David Trott's going to get things going here in a few minutes. So we'll uh, go ahead and bring up the house, and you'll hear some music playing. There's Rick's piping that through the house system right now. So let's go ahead and enjoy that for a bit. I'm the bluest man in town. Nightbird crying out the hard time banjo blues. Here's a head of living with the hard time bad So put your banjo in its case. Black Door prize people, are you ready? Still gonna have a heap and helping up the hard time band. <laughs> wow. Woohoo. Who was that? Woohoo. <laughs> Pretty cool. Am I good or what? You did good. Yes. There they are. Your door price ladies. People. Okay, folks. It is now. Almost officially 1020, and we are back in session, and we'll call on the door prize people for a couple of door prizes. All right, we have from M. Ace, oh, from Macy. Okay, $50, and that is from DCCB, and the name is? Judith Dixon from what? I mean, from Virginia. Gone. Gone. She here? No. Okay. Another name. No. Another name. <laughs> and the next name is Tony Beck. Susan Crawford from Maryland. Is she here? No. <laughs> Is Susan here? No. Another name. Kimberly Hollows from Florida. I'm here. Kim Hollows. I know Kim Hollows. You're here, aren't you? No. She's not here. Okay, next name. Kenneth Reed from Mississippi. Kenneth Reed from Mississippi. 
No. Crystal Jones. Uh, wait, wait just a minute. Kenneth, Kenneth can have his door prize. He was injured yesterday and taken to the hospital. He's back in the hotel, but he's not able to come down this morning. Okay. All right. <clears throat> okay. Well, we'll keep that. Okay. Then the next door prize is from MCB, and it's a keychain and $10. And who's Annie Severston from Oklahoma. Annie from Oklahoma. No. Okay. Sarah Harris from Mississippi. No. Judith Dixon from Virginia. Marsha Farrow from Georgia. Marsha Farrow. Is Marsha here? From Georgia? No. Wilson Trueheart from Maryland? Michael Moran from New Jersey? Okay, there we go. All right. Okay, for our next presenter, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to hear from him. I'm always excited to hear what's going on with our advocacy work. So from National Advocacy and Legislative Update, we have Anthony Tony Stevens, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, Alexandria, Virginia. Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long journey to the capital city. It's a long, long wait while I'm sitting in committee. But I know I'll be a law someday. At least I hope and pray that I will. But today I am still just a bill. Gee, Bill, you certainly have a lot of patience. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Rick, or whoever played that. And rest the soul of the gentleman that wrote that. We lost the person that wrote all those Schoolhouse Rock songs this year, passed away. So that's a good tribute to him. Good morning, St. Louis. Oh, that is not the kind of advocacy I need this morning. Good morning, St. Louis. That is what I like to hear. Hi, everyone. This is Tony Stevens from the American Council of the Blind from Washington, D.C. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come here this morning and share with you an advocacy update on what's taking place in Washington. For everybody listening on ACB radio right now, welcome as well. For all of our advocates around the country. What I'd like to do this morning is take some time to share with you sort of three main camps of what's taking place with ACB advocacy and the work that we're doing for you, and the work that all of our tireless volunteers are doing for you. You know, ACB has what's called an advocacy committee, and that committee works hard, meeting every month. We have a strategic plan that was put in place last year with the ACB board that undergoes constant updates to the board of directors. Members of the board are are comprised upon that committee that meets sort of a steering committee that meets every month. Gives us an opportunity to go through the key goals that have essentially been born out of this organization. The resolutions from years past occupy the significant lion's share of all the things we're working on. I'm going to share with you some of those key things this morning. And in doing so, though, I want everybody to know that in a sense, 
the voice of ACB is its tradition over the past seven years is that of the voice of the people. We could not do the work we do without the volunteers, without you all, without the members. Right? We are not a large central office with things being passed down and cascaded. And essentially, you know, we will seek guidance when we can. We do not try to say, do this, do this, do this. We plea. I will say it is a plea when we send out those emails. A request. A please. We always try to say please. But at the end of the day, you know, our organization is grassroots. We are, in a sense, like I like to think of as the leading grassroots organization in this country for the blind, because it is your voice that echoes up to our national office. So in some sense, the things I share with you this morning that we've been working on, they are, in a sense, an echo of your voice, a call back to you, the members, a call back to those that have come to resolutions committee and pushed through resolutions that we will hear over the next couple of days as well, today and tomorrow that will continue to have our voice be crafted and sculpted and, and, and brought into something new. So what is our voice right now? I want to stop for a moment and just step back and take in the space where we meet this week in St. Louis, Missouri. You know, the motto of our conference is what? Gateway to success, right? For those that haven't had a chance to check out the Gateway Arch, to put your hands on the base, the foundation of that arch... My son had a chance to check it out the other day with the Kids Explorers Club, and he was nervous because he was like, the arch, it's only a a yard wide, and I'm afraid to go on top of something that high that's only a yard wide because he had seen it from far off and didn't think it was as massive as it was. It was massive as as many people as have passed through this city. This historically, this town in 1804 when Lewis and Clark set out for the great new frontier, the New West, This was, at that point, the Gateway City, where the Ohio and the Missouri Rivers come together and join the Mississippi River, and where so much of America moved west. What did they move for? They moved for opportunity and independence. Those, I think we can all agree, are the exact two things that we move forward for every day with ACB. Greater opportunity and independence for Americans who are blind and low vision. So I couldn't think of a better place to be in 2018 than here at Union Station. When this station was built in 1895, it was the largest train station in the world. I think a lot of us can agree upon that after wandering through the halls for several days. But let's take this image of the train station. And for all those that labored the same way that folks have labored before us, many here in this room... Many who have gone, many we lost this year, like Sue Amateur, who was on our, our advocacy committee. There are those voices who advocated with us every month, sometimes every day, that we no longer have before us. The same way that when the tracks were laid from St. Louis to San Francisco, there were those who have passed in the years and years it took to get that ground laid before us. We always need to know where we came from and that there are those who have worked hard to try to forge forward the new frontiers that lay ahead of us. So in this station moved the millions and millions of people out to the West, out to new opportunities, to new frontiers. There's no question that the dreams of opportunities are sown in the fields of wheat and corn that move West from here into the great expanse of these United States. This past year in advocacy in Washington, D.C., I'm extremely excited to share that there have been great 
opportunities, contrary to what you hear on the news about how nothing ever gets done in Washington these days and that it's so toxic, there exist great opportunities for new frontiers that we have been able to, to dive into and to be a critical piece of the equation in trying to figure out what the future holds. In the world of technology, and you've heard here with the conference with some of our partners that we've worked with, oftentimes when things don't move so much in, in a congressional sense, because there is no question there has been a stalemate in a lot of areas in Congress, we have the opportunity to work with others in other ways. Earlier we heard the other day from General Motors, our partnership with them and our partnership with the Coalition for the Future of Mobility, which has been working to advocate in the autonomous vehicle space in Washington, D.C., before the Senate and the House of Representatives, has been a wonderful partnership in being able to stand up and find those people within a new budding industry that is creating billions and billions of dollars in research and development, but has trickle-down effects. The artificial intelligence being built into autonomous vehicles is directly impacting the space and sensory augmentation and the development of technology for Americans who are blind and low vision and people all around the world. And it's in this innovation and in technology that we're able to find things like the Seeing AI app, which, yes, were in a sense created, not necessarily directed towards autonomous vehicles, but the new horizon that lies ahead of us in the growth of artificial intelligence and deep learning frameworks and neural networks are completely transforming the world that we exist within when we look at how technology can be used to break down barriers of inaccessibility in our world. So we are thankful for the partnerships we have with folks like those we're working with at GM that have committed to making sure that their system is completely accessible. We've already been working with their folks in San Francisco that are pushing out the autonomous vehicles today. And we are excited to think in a new horizon, we are no longer confined by the constraints like those that left the East Coast barrios because they, they had no opportunity. They had places where there was no chance based on where they lived. But that we can actually move out into the suburbs and not be fixed to just three quarters of a mile from paratransit, right? Not only be fixed to poor transit systems, not only be fixed to where housing prices are so astronomical to live near transportation, so that we are left in a sense like someone in the middle of the Great Plains before the railroads moved in. So we're excited by that new frontier, a new frontier that's going to transform transportation. It is currently transforming smart cities. We are involved in the CTA Standards Committee right now that's looking at how do we create standards around wayfinding, Understanding that these regulatory standards are critical in developing smart cities like what cities like Kansas City are doing with their partnerships with Google, what cities like San Francisco are doing. Sacramento right now is the first country to push forward 5G in the networks around the country. Anybody from San Francisco? That is going to make huge impact on the ability to move data in a way that, that things like services like IRA or other services that are, that are sort of video in nature or demanding and bandwidth in nature are going to be, you know, when we're at now that 5G rolls out, it increases a hundredfold the speed by which we can communicate through mobile communications. Right now that's in Sacramento. Look forward in other cities around the country. They're looking into Los Angeles as well. But both Verizon, we're in conversations around this new data with, with AT&T and other organizations. 
So we're at the table in terms of moving forward with regulatory process that will make technology so much more accessible to us. And then that accessibility drive innovation that transforms the ways in which we live when it comes to housing, when it comes to access to services, to goods, to transportation, all those things tie in. That's one of the new exciting frontiers. I'm excited to share with you as well a congressional frontier that we are now able to embark upon after years of your advocacy. Recently, we had sent out a call to action for all state affiliates and all members to reach out to their senators to call for them to vote for the passage of S-2559, the Marrakesh Treaty Implementation Act. This was a treaty that ACB had been involved with since its inception, before it was even a treaty. Melanie Brunson, Eric's predecessor, was at Marrakesh in, 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 when the World Intellectual Property Organization gathered on June 27th, 2013, when they voted for the whole world to hear that it is a right for people to have access to published works and to break down the intellectual property copyright barriers that have created such a burdensome way for us to gain access so that only 5% of published works in the world was accessible. Well, I'm excited to say that on June 28th, five years and one day after the world learned of Marrakesh, the United States Senate voted unanimously with no opposition to ratify, finally, the Marrakesh Treaty. There is still some work that needs to be done in the House of Representatives, but in a sense, it's like paperwork. It's clearing up the copyright law. But we would not be where we are if it wasn't for our members, for you all in this room, and everybody listening on ACB Radio, and everybody who can't be here today, when we made the call to action that reached out to your senator. Very seldom, I can say, things get moved with unanimous consent in the United States Senate these days. But this was, and it was due to the advocacy of our organization and the organization of, we also give credit as well, and thanks to the National Federation of the Blind, we work together with this on them. People often say, why do we never work together? But this was an example of where we come together. So folks like Scott Labar and the Federation, we acknowledge their work and hard work with this, but we also acknowledge the work of the publishers and the library association. And the work with Kim Charlson, who played a critical part on that, with her role, everybody knows there is no better librarian for the blind in this country than Kim Charlson. And we were excited to have our own ACB president be at the table and engage in these conversations and also to be, in a sense, that voice within the libraries themselves. So we have that success. We have these frontiers. We have these new opportunities. As those that move west knew, and those that live today in the wintry, blustery winters of, of Nebraska or Kansas, Moving west had its challenges. There were systemic barriers, natural barriers sometimes, that made it very far, hard to move west. At the same time, there were threats by other folks that maybe didn't want frontier new people there, right? Part of our history, for better or for worse. In that time of the movement towards the west, there were times when folks had to circle together to protect what they had, if it was against the elements or against threatening opposition, in order for them to proceed moving westward, they had to stop and shelter down. It is unfortunate that we are at a point in the United States right now where we are having to shelter down on some key areas that could negatively impact our own civil rights as Americans who are blind and have low vision. 
We have seen threats this past year to the Americans with Disabilities Act. We continue to experiencing concerns over the fiscal stability of our country in understanding that we are going to be bringing in less this year than needs to get spent. This was a key message we took to Washington during our mid-year conference in understanding that there are programs and services that while we were lucky, we got through with a continuing resolution and then a budget passed in April of this year that sustained programs. When we went to Congress on February 28th this year, we fought for protecting programs. We weren't really trying to push for anything new per se, but one of our key messages was in understanding with the tax cuts, there's going to be huge conversations on the table. We were fortunate that none of the programs we advocated for got cut this year. Right? And in some cases, even like American Printing House and the Helen Keller National Center organizations we've advocated for over the past couple years even got a little plus up in their budget, which was good news. So we're excited for that. But there is going to come a time this year and going into the next year when the, when the dollars coming in and the dollars coming out don't make sense. So it is critical as an organization that we stand together in identifying the key programs that we need to stand up for and protect going into the 2019-2020 year. I'm not here to be chicken little. I'm not here to say the sky is falling. Our voices are strong. Our issues are strong. But we need to understand, like in the words of Jack Kennedy, you know, what can your country do for you, but what can you do for your country in a sense? We need to start realizing that we need to stand up and voice up on the programs that are important for us. We can't just sit by the wayside and assume that things like vocational rehabilitation, things like the National Library Service, a lot of the federal programs we have come to just find part of our life over the last years, that they are not going to be part of a larger conversation going into the coming years when we talk about budget cuts. We have been fortunate on the ADA issue to be in meetings with members of Congress to push back on the threats of the Americans with Disability Act to make it more difficult to litigate under Title III of the ADA. There have been conversations as well about how web accessibility can be brought into this fold that up until recently has predominantly been around physical barriers. I want our members to know that we are at the table with these conversations and we are advocating for the civil rights of Americans when it comes to web accessibility, but also when it comes to public access, like the success we had this past year with ITSA and the issues we have in successes around making kiosks more accessible, not just in restaurants, but in all areas and aspects where technology is moving out into a physical space now. We are a hands-on world where human beings are becoming less and less and things like kiosks are becoming more and more. We had resolutions last year to that effect, and I want you all to know that we have been working well and working hard to try to make sure that the physical world, as it becomes more hands-on with technology, is not more hands-off for people who are blind and visually impaired or with low vision. So we are working in the ADA space. We are working in the legislative space. It is, it is a challenge sometimes when the rights we fight for seem like they're under attack, right? We are working as well in the courts. We continue to fight for accessible currency. In 2008, 10 years ago, Paulson versus the American Council of the Blind was decided in favor of ACB, working towards making us have what we thought would be in five to ten years accessible currency. But we are ten years out, and the federal government continues to put up barriers and roadblocks and excuses 
Very recently, we filed 10 declarations, nine or 10. Please don't quote me on that. I think it was nine, maybe 10, to the, to the court, calling for the U.S. government to move with haste from their extended deadline, the 2026. We essentially said we cannot wait till 2026 with a timeline of a 10-year rollout of accessible currency so that the last bill would not be made accessible until 2036. Those that passed that legislation, Otis Stevens was one of the plaintiffs who we know well is no longer with us. And we cannot move for another 18 years to have so many more of us never know what it feels like to have the most distinguishable part of our federal government the common note, to be made accessible for those of us, for all of us. We are fortunate, thanks to Hawaii, our affiliate Hawaii, in helping advocate to bring to the table some voices of veterans as well. Because we believe this is a right that if anybody deserves to have accessible currency, it's those who fought so that we can have a free market in this country and a free country overall. So thank you to all of our veterans and those that were able to, to help voicing up Blinded veterans as well helped out with us in those declarations. So we continue to wait where the courts stand on this issue. But please know that of our three strategic goals that we we work towards, our currency case is still one of the landmark goals that we continue to, to place paramount among those things that we fight for as we move westward towards new opportunity. Moving out of the storms, moving out of the cold winters, where do we stand? We continue to drive forward towards progress and opportunity. We continue to look towards new ways that we can leverage advocacy in Washington, D.C. to find new opportunities. We are expanding our ways into the medical health arena for durable medical goods. We are advocating for those individuals that we understand may not always have access to technology that has become great in some sense and be able to bridge inaccessibility the smartphone in the hand. But not everybody has access to a smartphone. Believe it or not, there are still some people that have flip phones out there, right? <laughs> so we continue to work toward finding ways that we can get technology in the hands of people that's affordable. How can we take things like the services that we've heard spoken about and the opportunities and the technologies that are so available, but they're only available if you have a data plan or access to the internet? We continue to work to try to find ways, if it's through the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, and how we can get independent living aids, like Medicare devices, low vision devices, but believe that there's also an opportunity to try to push towards getting things like smartphones and other things in the hands of people in ways that the government can actually help support. Driving into the future, and I spoke yesterday about investment, is specifically about making sure that the decisions we make today yield something in the future that's greater for us. So that one step forward is not two step back. And so I'm excited to say that in the work that we're doing, if it's on the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, if it's advocating in the workforce innovation and opportunity space, is a hard focus on two steps forward, not two steps backward. So we have our Medicare bill. We continue to push for that. We are expecting to hear regulations around the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act that focuses on employment. Those regulations are forthcoming. We continue to drive forward in the rights 
of service animal users, of guide dog users. You heard Claire earlier. Can I please get a warm round of applause for Claire? That was her first time before you all in the general session. And Claire is working tirelessly in our national office, protecting us for the rights of those with service animals, with guide dogs specifically, so that we have equal access in the skies. So that when the train leaves the station and we begin to move west forward, we are not left on the side of the tracks. So we continue to move forward in the service animal space. We continue to move forward in the medical health space. We continue to move forward in the aging in place space, understanding that the majority of our Americans are not youth with disabilities like what the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act seems to think, but that we are people in our 40s and our 50s and our 60s moving older into age onset disability of blindness and vision impairment in our country. So we cannot forget that population. So in all things that we're doing right now, we have a commitment to older age adults, a commitment to those to make sure that they can age in place. And it just makes good sense. It makes sense to bring us along for the ride, right? Because when we're all able to, to, to exist outside of institutions, where unfortunately some have to go because they don't have maybe the tools or resources to let them stay in the home, it burdens everybody. We need to make sure that we are along for the ride because not having us along for the ride is much more burdensome, not just for us, but for the entire country. Our freedom and our liberties that we fought for, that we moved west for, for independence and opportunity would not be what they are if it was not community, if it was not all of us, right? Towns like Denver and San Francisco were not founded because one person just said, you know what, I'm fine right here and it's just for me. People came together, and they said, we will come together, and we will start what becomes great American cities, because we work together. So I share with you this note, and this thought, if you will. Let us continue to move westward. Let us continue to find new opportunities. Let us continue to find new frontiers, and to not be brave. This afternoon, we'll be having our advocacy grassroots boot camp. Hopefully, some of you in this room are going to be attending. I'm not going to out folks like I did with the student affiliate yesterday. Sorry, students, when I asked if you were here. But in going through that, I was going through you know, famous historical speeches. And I'm thinking of the speech that Reagan gave when the shuttle had exploded in the 1980s. And America grieved. So much of our great speeches come at times of grieving, comes at times of challenge. But Reagan said, the future is not for the faint-hearted, it's for the brave. Democrat or Republican, wherever we stand, we need to be brave and we need to be not be afraid to move forward toward new frontiers and new opportunities. Please know that your ACB national office stands committed to these opportunities and to fighting for them, to fighting for the civil rights of access, for equal opportunity, and equal inclusion. It is humbling as your director of advocacy and government affairs to work with you. But what is the greatest part of the job is to come here to national convention and to hear the resolutions of our body, of ACB. So my hope is that everybody will stay here for the next two days and be engaged in, in, in the general sessions so that we can hear those resolutions so that I can bring with you new updates next year as we move further west. I close with that. Thank you so much, everybody. We are available at advocacy at acb.org. We are always a resource available for you.
But at the end of the day, you are a CB. So thank you for your continued advocacy, and I look forward to having the chance to talk more with you over the convention. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tony. It's, it's great to have someone on staff that not only is one of us who buys into the visions of ACB and works tirelessly toward our advocacy efforts. Thank you so much, Tony. I met our next speaker on Monday at Games with Ralph, and had I known I would be introducing her today, I would have asked her her name 50 times. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it right because she gave me a great vote of confidence. She told me what it was, and as I pronounced it back, she giggled and said, that's it. So I'm, I really am confident that I'm going to get this right. <laughs> the Unidirectional Project, providing tools, training, and mobile apps to spread audio description throughout our nation. I'm sorry, our nation's parks. Ms. Sanja Corella, graduate research assistant, University of Hawaii. Aloha. It is a privilege to be here today to speak about the Unidescription Project. I am of the ACB family first, a proud member of the Hawaii Association of the Blind, and work as a research assistant on the Unidescription Project at the University of Hawaii. As many of you may know, the Unidescription, or UniD for short, is a project supported and funded by the American Council of the Blind, Google, the National Park Service, and the University of Hawaii. The goal of this project is to audio describe the brochures of more than 400 national parks in the United States. The brochures of national parks are visually appealing with a wide range of images. Blind and visually impaired individuals are left out of the experience of enjoying these images that communicate the natural beauty and rich history of our country. The Unidescription is a small step in alleviating accessibility issues related to national park brochures for people who are blind or visually impaired. This project began in 2014 under the leadership of Dr. Brett Opagard, and in that short amount of time, the project has audio described the brochures of over 50 parks. We are pleased to say that we have been able to audio describe almost all of the national park brochures in the state of California and bring blind and visually impaired individuals to some of those parks because of ACB's generous support and its collaborations with the state chapters. In addition to audio describing the brochures, the Unidescription project has developed an app called Unidescription where we house all our completed brochures. The app is available on Android and iOS and is free of cost. 
If you do not currently have it on your phone, I encourage you to download it and give it a try. If you search for uni description, that is one word, UNI description, in the App Store or Google Play, you can find it there and download it. The app is a work in progress, so if you have any comments or feedback, I would love to hear them. I will be at the Hawaii table, and please feel free to reach out to me. The beauty of this app is that you can visit so many national parks from the comfort of your home. Many blind and visually impaired individuals have said to us that they have used UniDescription as a travel guide to plan their visit to a park. Others have credited UniDescription for increasing their participation in conversations with their friends and family while visiting a park. A few blind people have shared with us that in spite of visiting a national park, they were unaware of the magnitude and other details about the park before they had access to UniDescription. It's not that we have gotten only rave reviews. We do have room for improvement, and blind and visually impaired individuals, largely ACB members, have offered us advice and suggestions on making the app more accessible and effective. Adding geolocation, having a human voice read the content, developing a search functionality within a brochure for faster navigation are some of the feedback we have received from blind and visually impaired individuals, and we are diligently working toward implementing these ideas on our app. I want to repeat again that if any of you have feedback, please feel free to share. We have field tested the unit description twice in large California parks. Members of the California Council of the Blind, along with myself, went to Yosemite National Park to test the app on site in November last year, and we recently had another major field test at Muir Woods National Monument with participation from the members of Silicon Valley Council of the Blind and San Francisco chapters in April. Thank you. We plan on conducting more field tests as we continue to work on improving the app. Since starting UniDescription, we have conducted several focus groups with blind and visually impaired individuals, and we have implemented their insights and recommendations into this project from the very beginning. As we were learning so much ourselves, we wanted to share this knowledge with the world, so we developed a web tool that contains information on best practices in audio description. The web tool will allow any individual to create audio description of anything visual. Because the UniD is a research-based project, the best practices we have compiled come from scholarly sources. If the web tool interests you, a simple search for UniDescription on the internet will direct you to our website. We have followed the web content accessibility guidelines while creating the website, so it is very accessible for blind and visually impaired individuals. We also review our web content accessibility policy annually to ensure that it is up-to-date and reflects the latest standards as directed by WCAG. 
While we started this project with the intention of audio describing the national park brochures, our ambition has grown with each positive response to our description. Now we simply want to audio describe the world. Thank you. I am happy to share with you that our web tool has been used far and wide with the Embassy of Afghanistan using it to audio describe the brochure of their disability rights conference, a graduate student in Italy describing one of the world's largest churches, with a group of scholars in the Czech Republic describing contents of the National Technical Museum, with a group of graduate students in Greece describing, Acrop describing artifacts at the Acropolis, and so on. We are hopeful that our project will continue to play a role in making the world a more accessible place to people of all abilities. We are currently preparing for our fourth Descriptathon. The Descriptathon is where we bring national parks together and train them on audio description. Some of you in the audience have participated in our previous Descriptathons, so I want to acknowledge all of you for your valuable comments that helped to enhance the quality of audio description of the brochures. We plan to audio describe at least 10 more national park brochures by the end of this year. Thank you. We have also ramped up the marketing of Unidescription, so we are researching various opportunities where we can spread the word about our project. We have created a handout in your registration bag which combines a large print layout with Braille with some of those details. Some organizations and state affiliates of the American Council of the Blind, namely American Foundation for the Blind, the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind and the Hawaii Association of the Blind have helped us by publishing and posting on their social media. So my team and I want to express our gratitude to you all. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to say a few words here today. Thank you to this great organization, ACB, for your tremendous support in this project. Thank you to each one of you who helped us in any way. And finally, thank you all for listening. I look, I look forward to hearing from you about our app and the project. So please feel free to reach out to me anytime throughout the duration of the convention to express your ideas. And before I go, I want to make a quick announcement. The principal investigator in this project, Dr. Brett Opagard, will be conducting field study in some New York and Boston parks, and he was wondering if some ACB members would be willing to volunteer. So his plan is to have at least three, but no more than five, but if we can't do three, even one is good, one is better than none. ACB members go visit the park with him, and then so that he can watch you, observe you, use the app, get feedback about the app, talk about audio description, uni description in general. So um, we are looking at visiting Statue of Liberty on July 16. Or <laughs> um, if 16 doesn't work well for some ACB members, we can do it on the 14th or the 15th also. 
and then Cape Cod on July 20th, Minuteman on July 23rd, and also um, Lowell National Park on July 18. And there is a uh, Boston-based company that specializes in biometric, uh, and they want to demo their products. And Dr. Opagar wants to wants to get feedback from the representative representative user of ACB. So that's. If some of you are willing to help with that, that would be great. I know these are a lot of dates to remember right now, so if any of you are interested in this, please, please get in touch with me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Saja. Okay. And I apologize for the delay. Rick said I was so long-winded, I didn't run the batteries down in the mic, so he had to switch <laughs> it out. Uh, speaking of long-winded, uh, we're going to talk about audio description. I remind these guys that I do run a tight ship. Uh, actually, I, you know, have always supported audio description for those who needed it and didn't really realize the value of it until I got called in the Nor'easter. And President Charleston introduced me to it along with Brian's popcorn, and uh, I've become a fan for life. I love it. And so it's, it's really great. And at this time, to present some awards and talk to you, I'm going to give you, to introduce the other gentleman with him, Mr. Dan Spoon, first vice president. He's also chair of the description, audio description project steering committee from Orlando, Florida. Good morning, everyone. It is an exciting, amazing time to be blind and be loving audio description. Do you all agree? Woo! All right. Um, so, first of all, before I get started, this is just a little announcement because I'm, I'm wearing two hats. So, as we do the audio description project um, program, I would kindly ask all those walk team captains or representatives from their respective affiliates, if you could please come to stage right uh, and kind of start forming up because after the audio description uh, program, we will be doing the RDC and and the presentation of all the plaques for the walk uh, captains. So if you all could please head up to the right side of the stage and also uh, Kim Abair and Donna, you're going to be up on the stage with me here, so uh, keep that in mind. All right, now back to audio description. Gang, it is amazing where we have come in maybe what seems like a lifetime, but now it seems like it's really moving at, at an exponential rate. So this year, for the first time, All nine Academy Award-nominated movies were audio-described. How about that? Isn't that just fantastic? And, And we're making strides in so many different areas. Starting as of July 1st, just a couple of days ago, we've now gone to 87 and a half hours 
of audio described programming that is required on the top four networks and the top five cable companies, cable, cable broadcasters. So we're expanding again and again and again. But not just through the cable networks and the broadcast networks. The huge change is, that is coming is the live streaming over the internet. I would encourage you all to please go visit acb.org slash ADP and look at the wonderful master listing that Fred Brack has created for us. Right now, right now, between Netflix, Amazon, iTunes, audio described DVDs, live perform, uh, uh, new releases in movie theaters, we now have almost 2,000 titles of audio-described content that you can get your hands on right now. Is that amazing? Yeah. Woo! But, but not just with media. We've also been able to move forward with some special projects. And Joel will talk to you in more detail about this later. But on August 21st last year when that once-in-a-lifetime total eclipse of the sun came through, we had a group in Nashville, Tennessee, with the Tennessee Council of the Blind that worked collab- yeah, it's here from Tennessee. Worked collaboratively with the Tennessee School for the Blind, with our ACB radio team, with the Tennessee Performing Arts Center, TPAC in Nashville, and we and Joel did a great job, and we were able to all pull this together and do a live broadcast with Julie Cawthon as our describer of the eclipse. It was listened to by twenty thousand people in the United States and around the world. Now that's the audio description project in ACB radio delivering for blind and visually impaired people. Isn't that fantastic? Our committee works tirelessly and very hard. They have a, a, we have a very hard taskmaster in our, in our officer liaison, Kim Charlson, that never gives us a moment's rest. And we have worked very hard. We have, we have seven work streams inside of our committee. We have 39 goals and objectives. These are smart objectives. They're specific, measured, accountable, responsible, and time-based. And we work to deliver those goals and objectives every year through our seven work streams. We have a media subcommittee chaired by Carl Richardson from Massachusetts. Sarah for Carl. We have an ADP conference subcommittee co-chaired by sisters JoLynn Bailey-Page and Susan Glass. They're, love, they're wonderful, wonderful people. This year, uh, at, our, at our conference that was just held, we had 38 participants plus 25 panelists, a group of over 60 that spent three afternoons discussing a variety of topics associated with audio description. They did an absolutely fantastic job. We have a baddie essay contest chaired, again, by Susan Glass, Benefits of Audio Description in Education. We had over 35 participants this year, and we're able to 
to give awards in three different categories. Did an absolutely fabulous job. We also have an awards committee, which we'll hear a little bit more about. Uh, that is chaired by Chris Gray we, from Missouri. Hey, hey. We also have a 508 committee chaired by Pat Sheehan from Maryland. Thank you, Pat. <clears throat> and we have a Museums, Performing Arts, and Parks Committee chaired by Denise Decker and Mary Hanks. And we're very excited about our latest subcommittee, which is a certification subcommittee, where we are working for the first time to have an independent, identifiable, approved certification for audio description and voicing of audio description content. Uh, this committee is chaired by Jennifer Nicro and Mary Hanks. We spent a lot of time working on that, and the goal is to work to, to start the process with a subject matter expert committee uh, working with ACVREP, and I'll let Joel give you the details of that, but it's a wonderful certification committee, and that will hopefully be all pulled together by December. So. These are our committees. We also have several other wonderful uh, participants of our steering committee. We have Sean Barrett. We have Margie Donovan. We have Satana Howery. We have Burl Colley. We have a ton of folks that get out there every day. And if I missed any names, I really, really, really apologize. But everybody's doing a great job. And so right now, I'd like to, to turn it over to the one and only, our ADP director, Joel Snyder. Oh my God. Oh, such an introduction. Wow. Good morning, everyone. It is fantastic to be here to meet you in St. Louis, if you will, um, to, um, to uh, be here with you at a, a little bit of a birthday celebration. This is the Audio Description Project's 10th year. And um, we have, um, well, Dan's already alluded to it. We've accomplished a great deal in a relatively short period of time and uh, have made our mark in the audio description field internationally in a number of different ways. Um, First and foremost, though, I have to uh, acknowledge the, the leadership of Ken, Kim Charlson, our president, who w was our uh, chair of our steering committee, the Audio Description Project, and then she got a, a promotion. She, she, she decided she'd, she'd be the president of the American Council of the Blind. We said, well, okay. Uh, and, and we were so thrilled then to get Dan Spoon as the chair of our steering committee, and man, he has whipped us into shape with a number of committees that, subcommittees that he's mentioned, um, and we've pulled together a lot of, lot of different work and activity that uh, I want to share with you. Uh, and indeed, one of the uh, most important components of the audio description project is our uh, every two years biennial audio description project conference. We just wrapped up this year's conference yesterday. Three wonderful days of discussion uh, on all things audio description. People from all around the world, indeed. Um, uh, we had folks from, let's see, over 20 states 
uh, the District of Columbia, and five other nations were represented, Spain, Israel, Brazil, Canada, and the United Kingdom. So it was great. It was great. Um, not only do we do the Audio Description Project conference, a major conference every two years, um, we present every year the Audio Description Project Achievement Awards. And uh, I want to acknowledge this year's award winners, some of whom are, I think, in the audience here, and I'll ask them to, to shout out or something. Uh, waving their hands, not so good, maybe. Uh, but... but <laughs> <laughs> We've got some great awardees this year. Uh, the Achievement Award in Performing Arts went to Mind's Eye Radio right here in St. Louis. Yeah. And I think Rachel Melton is here. There's Rachel Melton is waving her arm. Shout out, Rachel. There you go. <laughs> They're Missouri folks, indeed, yes. Uh, the Media Achievement Award went to a group in Seattle, Washington, called Rooted in Rights. Not only do they, yeah, yeah, that's right, Washington State, huh? Not only do they produce a great deal of media, all of which is audio described, the media they do always has to do with social justice, social responsibility, and our awards committee was so impressed with that and decided this year to acknowledge them with our Media Achievement Award. Um, Museums, our Museums Visual Arts Visitor Center Award this year. You heard a little bit about the the uh, solar eclipse project. That was great fun. I hope a lot of you were listening in last August to our, <laughs> to our little solar eclipse program. Um, well, it was coordinated by ACB and the Audio Description Project with our good friends at the Tennessee School for the Blind and the Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind, Dan Dillon, who I'm sure is here. Um, Dan and... Um, we had one of the top describers from the Tennessee Performing Arts Center, Julia Cawthon, was actually doing the description while I was in Washington kind of hosting the program, if you will. Uh, so the Tennessee School for the Blind and Julia Cawthon won this year's Museum's Visual Arts and Visitor Center Award. Um, we also acknowledge um, every year... Um, a leader in audio description uh, outside the United States, our international award. And we were thrilled this year to be able to acknowledge the contributions of uh, a blind gentleman in Tel Aviv, Israel, Amos Beir, who is the director of the Central Library for the Blind in Tel Aviv. Not only are they a library for the blind, they are an active audio description provider throughout the country of Israel. I've had the great honor to speak to their assembly and to train audio describers under their auspice in Israel. They do a wonderful job. Amos Bayir, the Central Library uh, for the Blind in Tel Aviv. We get so many wonderful entries or nominations, you know, it was, it's a difficult choice sometimes. And sometimes our committee will say, well, we're going to give a special recognition award in this category as well. And in the international area, we had a magnificent nomination of Dr. Antonio Martin and Aristia Productions in Madrid. Yes, 
Yes, and they do marvelous work, not only with description for ONCE, the uh, Association for the Blind in Spain, but also in training describers, especially in Spanish. Spanish description, they do a great job. So Dr. Martin was our special recognition for international work awardee. And um, speaking of international, the Dr. Margaret Fanstiel uh, Career Achievement, or Achievement Award, rather, in Research and Development went to our very good friend, Dr. Francisco Lima in Recife, Brazil. I think Francisco is here. He's uh, stayed with us for the week to join us at our institute. And he has done magnificent work, especially with audio description, are you ready, of insects. He, he, is, he, is, helping, he is helping us pull together an audio described tour of the Insect Zoo at the Smithsonian Institution, National Museum of Natural History. Yes, it's really wonderful working with him. And he's developed an app that will help describers be better describers in a scientific sense in a, and, and in a way uh, to describe tiny little insects and arthropods. It's really something that's never been done before. Dr. Francisco Lima. And, and finally, and finally, the Barry Levine Career Achievement Award um, in audio description went to an organization that has been around almost since the beginning of description. I actually produced, I wrote and voiced three of the first film descriptions ever done. It was in 1985, and I did it. On, uh, for, under the auspice of WGBH in Boston, the Carl and Ruth Shapiro Family National Center for Accessible Media, WGBH, our Career Achievement Award this year. Just a couple of other things. We are right now in the middle. Uh, every year we do two audio description institutes, and we're right now in the middle of our 14th Audio Description Institute, where we train audio describers, and a bunch of them are in the back now. I said, you know, enough with the Institute. We want to come in and be with consumers of description for a while. So, so shout out back there, Institute people. Yeah. They're great. They're great. Um, I also mention every year when I talk to you, you know, uh, you've got to, if you haven't visited our website, boy, you have got to get get thee to acb.org slash ADP. You will find more information there about audio description on the web than any other place in the world, really. With respect to description, you'll find out what's described on television, what's in movie theaters with description, what DVDs are described, what theaters in your state, what museums in your state have description, a wealth of information, acb.org slash ADP. And by the way, if you go to the DVD section and click on a DVD, it takes you immediately to the site at Amazon where you can buy that DVD and be assured that it has audio description. And guess what, of course, American Council of the Blind gets like a nickel or a dime or something for every DVD you purchase. So 
go to the, <laughs> go to the, go to the audio description project website, buy some DVDs. In fact, if you, you click on that link, buy some DVDs, buy a couple of refrigerators too, because we'll, we'll get like a dollar fifty or two bucks or something for each one. And finally, if you're a lover of audio description, you have the opportunity tonight to experience this year's Academy Award winner, Best Picture Film, The Shape of Water. We will be screening it at 7 o'clock tonight in Region CC. Many people have bought tickets already, but you can get them at the door for 10 bucks, and that includes popcorn and a soda. Huh? Such a deal. So I hope to see all of you tonight at 7 p.m. Region CC, The Shape of Water. Thank you so much. You know, I want you to give them another round of applause. They have made ACB the recognized authority in descriptive audio. Great job, guys. And, you know, I start my day with money, and I like to end it with money. Money, I love money. You know, money for ACB makes my job so much easier. And uh, we got a great group of guys who... uh, are actually we're doing so well in this area we had to have a co-chair so we you know we couldn't figure out who to name our chair so we got two guys with the same name (laughs) and it's a great fit for ACB because they uh they complement each other Dan Spoon probably is one of the greatest organizers that I've ever met uh he, he really keeps things organized and focused, and he's got all these different plans to go by. You ought to just have to work with him a day or two. You'll either love him or you hate him. I love him for what he's done for ACB because he, he's ACB at 4 o'clock in the morning, and Leslie says he even talks ACB in his sleep at night. So, <laughs> you know. But um, I'm going to give you one half of the RDC Dan Spoon from Orlando, Florida, and he will introduce all the cohorts he has with him this morning. Dan. Thank you, It's been so long since I've had a chance to talk to you. <laughs> I, <clears throat> I want to thank very much our, our co-chair, Dan Dillon. Dan is down on the Dan is on the uh, on the ground down there organizing all of our uh, our walk uh, captains. So give a shout out, Dan! Yell, go team! Hey, there's Mister Dan Dillon. <laughs> the RDC committee, you know, the RDC committee is really all of us. This is us as members of ACB doing our best to raise money for the organization that we love. So, yes, there's corporate sponsorships and, 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 and there's thrift stores and, and there's all, a whole lot of revenue work streams that David keeps track of as our treasurer and, and, and Nancy keeps track of as our CFO. But the one area that we as members of ACB can make a difference is the Resource Development Committee, the RDC Committee. So I'm so proud of the work our membership does. We have about seven or eight different projects we run every year 
as part of the RDC committee. So you get to experience many of them right here at the convention. We have the ACB Braille Forum raffle. So I have to give a little plug out there. The drawing will be tomorrow night. There's three winners. We have a $5,000, a $1,000, and a $500 winner. Tickets are still, they're $50 for a ticket. You can split it five ways. So find four of your closest friends or even maybe not so close friends, but people you wouldn't mind each sharing $5,000 with. (laughs) Have them, you can pick up a raffle ticket uh, at registration. You can, uh, the mini mall, Carla never stops selling uh, raffle tickets. So even when she closes the mini mall, she moves over to the marketplace tomorrow and you can buy the raffle tickets there. And we'll also be circulating around the hall and you can sell them. We will also sell them at the banquet tomorrow night. So many, many opportunities still out there. Let's, let's, let's buy those raffle tickets and show your love for ACB, okay? Second. Again, as members, we can get involved in the monthly monetary support program. So, Mike Godino, are you out there? Okay. Oh, he's at MMS. All right. He's in the exhibit hall, finishing up selling the monthly monetary support program in booth five. So, it's not too late, though. He'll be set up again tomorrow, I believe. So, uh, I want to thank you. Any of you all have joined uh, the MMS program for the first time. Or if you've had an opportunity to increase your pledge this this year at the convention, uh, the MMS program does an outstanding job to help ACB. And it not only helps ACB, it also helps our affiliates, our state affiliates and our special interest affiliates. For the first time this year, the monthly monetary support program is bringing in revenue in excess of $100,000 a year. Thanks to you all's generous, generous, generous support. Of that, of that, almost 30000 goes back to the affiliates. So you can split that pledge half and half between ACB and your affiliate. It really does make a difference. So I want to encourage you all out there, when you're having your state conventions, set up an MMS table and encourage your members who maybe can't come to the national organization to get involved in the monthly monetary support program and you would be, fine, be surprised how those nickels and dimes add up. We have one affiliate this year whose MMS uh, revenue, just for their state affiliate, was over $5,500. So it can make a difference. So, so get out there. Get your people involved. You know, people can give to an organization in so many different ways. And for a lot of our members, the easiest way is just to give a monthly pledge. So keep that in mind. So please see Mike Godino, George Holliday, and, uh, and get involved in the monthly monetary support program. Other activities that we have going on at this convention are our ACB uh, um, auction and our ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. You'll hear a little bit more about those later, but thank you for a wonderful turnout at the auction last night. And Thank you for all your participation in the walk on Saturday morning. Kim Bear and Donna Brown are going to come up next and tell us a little bit more about that. We also have a holiday auction that happens every fall that Carla Rushable and Brian Charlson lead up. Let's give them a big hand. And uh, 
I'm sure uh, it won't be till next week before Carla and Brian start reaching out to see if you'd like to get involved in the holiday auction. So that's a wonderful opportunity. As well as the mini mall is part of what we do inside the, the Resource Development Committee. And, uh, and Carla and her team do an outstanding job of the mini mall. I know you all have stopped by and done many things there. We also are involved in a new initiative we've done here for the last two years, which is Giving Tuesday. That happens the first Tuesday uh, in December, right after Thanksgiving. And it's a one-day event where you can go out and make a pledge to ACB. Uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of a national uh, phenomenon that's happening now. So all kinds of non-for-profits are gathering together, and we have developed a website to be able to, for everybody to give on Giving Tuesday. So keep in mind as, as it moves into December that that's an opportunity for you. All right. So um, I have to throw one more thing out there because this is near and dear to our heart, is that's the Angel Tribute Program. This started five years ago. It's a way for us to honor our members that we have lost it's, a sad, it's, it's sad, but it's happy in a way that it gives us closure. It gives us a chance to really take a moment and remember and thank those that meant so much to us. So uh, we appreciate your involvement in that. Uh, that's a, uh, it's just been a, a really, uh, I, I think, wonderful opportunity to recognize uh, our, our longtime members. So, All right. With that said... Uh, I'm going to ask one more time for our, uh, if, you, if you're a walk team captain or the representative of your affiliate, please come down to stage right, because uh, we're going to be handing out the plaques. Stage, stage right, yeah, okay. For them, yeah. For us, stage left, but, but for you guys, it's the right side of the stage. Yeah. Okay. All right, so with, without any further ado, I'm going to now turn it over to Kim Abair, who's going to give us a, a report on the auction. Let's hear it from Ken. Good morning, ACB. A lot goes into doing an auction. And um, I just wanted to thank all of the committee members that worked with me on this project and all of the volunteers that helped to spot uh, be runners, and all of you who participated in the auction. It was quite a magnificent feat last night. We had back and forth, back and forth, back and forth bids. But I wanted to announce to you this morning that we made just over $15,000. And I'm going to ask when our affiliates call you next January that you try to commit to uh, giving something next year in Rochester. With no further uh, explanation, we have the biggest fundraiser, I think, of one person who has organized all kinds of teams, and that's Donna Brown. Okay, good morning, ACB. You know, with, with me as your walk chair, you just never know what's going to happen. So, get ready. Um, we're going to, you're going to, everyone is going to stand up and give yourselves a standing ovation before you even know why. 
So everyone, if you are able, stand. And again, if you are team captain, you haven't received a plaque, come forward. And here we go. At this old train station, the convention's held this year. Trying to get ready, can't forget my walking Once again, that was written by my colleague from West Virginia School for the Blind, Josh Haza, and it just always makes me feel like he's right here in the room with us. Um, you may sit down if you want, but if, if you want to have a little bit of exercise, you can stand, keep standing. It's okay, too. <laughs> um, okay, I have so many people to thank because they took uh, the opportunity to come aboard the number 10 Dillon Express in various ways. Um, this was the 10th anniversary, or is the 10th anniversary of the walk. And first, so I don't forget, I've got to thank our sponsors. Uh, we had four $5,000 sponsors, National Industries for the Blind, Macular Degeneration Foundation, Vanda Pharmaceuticals, and Regal Entertainment. Give them a hand. Thank you. And in addition, we had a $2,000 sponsor from the Buell Fund. Now, quickly, I, I know, you know, lunch is between, you know, me and you, I guess. But um, so quickly, though, I, I've got the best committee in ACB. I say that every year, and it's true every year. Um, I've got my co-chair, Leslie Spoon, our man that keeps us on track, Dan Spoon, and Dan Dillon. They, they both sort of have the, their way of doing that. Um, our officer liaison, David Trott, our board liaison, Katie Frederick. Then we've got committee members, Melvin Smith, Linda Allison, Robert Spangler. And this group, uh, they all um, help at every meeting. It, it's amazing. Um, we each have our jobs to do, and, and it gets done. Now, here's the reason you gave yourself a standing ovation. So... You know, I don't know, about three years ago or four, I don't know, I, you know, time flies. But we started the sort of share program when teams signed up. 
they could designate up to 50% of the money they raised to go back to their affiliates. Well, that just has made the walk really expand. So over the first nine years, we raised over $323,000 altogether. This year, we had 26 teams, if I counted right. I, I, sometimes I lose count because all of a sudden a new one appears. So I know we had 26 teams at, at least. That is fantastic. Some special interest affiliates, most state affiliates, but that's okay. Here's the big number. So, you know, that team from Florida, they are amazing. I, I, I don't know exactly what they're up to now, but they're well on their way to their goal of $25,000. If they're not there yet, open your pocketbooks and help them get there. <laughs> then, you know, we have um, a team made up of, of some of the employees from the, our two offices. Isn't that fantastic? I, They've raised a lot of money. I, the last I checked, they're close to $6,000. You Open up your pocketbooks and help them too. Then we have our president. The president's team has just raised a lot of money and help, help our Madam President raise more. But then we also have some other teams who are over $3,000. And, and um, I'm not going to go through every team because, it, you know, again, it's lunchtime. Um, but what really is exciting is we had some new teams, new people. Isn't that fantastic? Um, one of my favorite parts of this job is, is to see, like, the team names when, you know, when they're signed up. And they're so creative. Um, I think my favorite one this year is the GDUI, four on the floor. I just think that is so cool. Um, but anyway, here's the number you've been waiting for and the number I just can't wait to share. Um, at this point, now the website is not going to show this, okay? And so if you go to the website and, and look at your team or, or whatever, not every dollar has been entered. A lot of money has been turned in here at the convention. And poor Nancy and Lori, they just have not had time to enter it. It will get entered, trust me. So I can guarantee you that we have raised, and it's climbing, we have already raised at least $84,000. Yeah. And every person in this room... Every person on ACB radio has had something to do with it. Thank you to all, all of you, your families, your friends. As Dan Spoon said, maybe some not-so-friends. You know, I don't know. But, um, you know, colleagues. Um, all of you made this possible. I don't know what else to say, but thank you. It's going to be bigger and better next year, I know. But what a 10th anniversary of the walk. Thank you. I'm going to just give me. Okay. Okay. Right now, all the team captains are over at the side with Dennis Becker, and they're getting their picture made, holding up their plaques, their platinum team plaques. So let's give them all a big round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> 
And once again, I just want to thank the RDC committee and all of his members. This year, uh, altogether, the RDC has raised over $250,000 for the American Council of the Blind. Thank you. All right, great job. We're going to, artists, if you would be making your way to a mic, we're going to start announcements here in just a minute. I want to reiterate um, about the Braille Forum raffle. It is still our last of the year uh, fundraising effort. So if you can't or don't want to buy a $50 ticket, get those four other people with you, friends, enemies. Uh, you know, five grand splits five ways, either, either way. So... Um, affiliates have won this in the past, so if you talk to your affiliates, go ahead and get one. The drawing will definitely be tomorrow night. Also, bear in mind that the exhibits will close. Today is their final day. They will close at 1 o'clock. And uh, so be sure to be there before 1. Make your final purchases, especially, you know, patronize the mini mall. Okay, artists, are you at a mic? Uh, yes, I am. Okay, um, independent visually impaired entrepreneurs had a raffle, and we gave out numbers. So <clears throat> pull out your numbers quickly. The first number is 859. 859. Not here? Okay. 8.59, okay. Somebody has it? Okay, we got the first one. Okay, we have one more prize. Um, 8.66. 8.66. Third time, 8.66. Got it? Okay, we have the second winner. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, do we have any other announcements? Madam President, Yeah, we did the dot. We did the dot thing. Okay. So we recess it. Oh wait, we do door, a couple of door prizes. Let's do a couple of door prizes. All righty. Hi there. We're going to do the first one is from South Carolina, and it is Cabernet Sauvignon. Did I pronounce that correctly? Okay. Our name is Oka Oga Pritpova, and I know it, California. No? Okay, another name. Audrey Demet. Audrey Demet? No? Another name. Emmers Sorbet. Emmers Sorbet? From Massachusetts. Massachusetts? Okay, where was our other ID winner? Okay. No. Brian Brian Charlson from Massachusetts. Is he here? Is he here? 
No? Debbie Grubb from Florida. Debbie Grubb from Florida? Is she here? Debbie? Okay, Debbie's here. Okay, then our next prize is from uh, Wisconsin, and that's an Echo Dot. Charles Crawford? Maryland? Is he here? No. Next name. Christine Hunsinker. From Pennsylvania. Is she here? She's where? Okay, I see her. Okay. And the very last thing that we have is from MCB. It's $10 and a keychain. Reggie Lindsay from Knoxville, Tennessee. Another name. Cecil from Florida. All right, he's here. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) Debbie, can you raise your hand? I'm good. Okay, Cecil, we're going to get you right now, too. All right. Is there any further announcements? Yes, sir. Oh. And that's... Hello? Can everyone hear me? State your name. Let me see. Is this is mic on? Oh, yes. Yes, we hear you. State your name. Uh, Hi, my name is Gabriel Lopez Cafati. The, uh, the wine. The wine. Hello, good morning. Gabriel Lopez Cafati here, president of uh, BPI, Blind Pride International. I have two announcements. The first one, um, our apologies. Last night we had technical difficulties with the hotel equipment. We usually work with um, our dear friend Joel Snyder in projecting our audio described movie. Last night we had to go with the equipment from the hotel and uh, we were never able to make it work. Thanks to Joel, thanks to Ricky Moran, and thanks to the hotel staff. Um, All our efforts were in vain. So. I spoke with Janet, and if you did purchase a ticket for Call Me By Your Name without your description last night, and it didn't happen, uh, ACB is processing refunds for those of you who pre-registered for Call Me By Your Name. Uh, My second announcement is um, we have our final event, BPI. It's called Dare to Share. It's uh, a tasteful adult conversation and very, very interesting door prices, wines, and other adult gifts. Uh, that's going to be happening tonight, right after ACB Students Comedy Night in room 4300. That's 4300. Thanks. Have an awesome day. David, I have an announcement. Kim Abair. Go ahead. Um, we still do not have enough chairs in our Louisiana uh, table. We need more chairs. We had asked for eight additional. We haven't gotten any more. We'll make Janet aware. Okay. Any any other announcements? Yes, Dave Trevino. Go. I'm selling a CD with the first two Jack Rondell stories. They're original stories I've written about a blind radio announcer who finds himself into in, in, in a detective role. He faces murder and all kinds of things. 
Stories about life as a blind person. They're $10, they're on a data CD, or if you can wait 13 minutes or so, I can download it to a thumb drive. My room number is 4024, or you can reach me at area code 502-526-2166. Any other announcements? All right, hearing no more announcements, you're in recess until tomorrow.